And we're live, but I can't see your face. And now I can. And look at you. You're on your phone. Well, you know, sorry. Uh, hello, everyone. So if you guys are in chat, uh, welcome. And if you're in TikTok, welcome. <clears throat> and I'm sorry that you can't hear movie man opinions. Um, but we will get there, right? We're going to get this man to a thousand followers and we're going to do TikTok and Twitch lives <laughs> in tandem. And it's going to be really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, over on <laughs> Twitch, you can hear movie man opinions in his beautiful voice. Um, tell me, Absolutely. my friend, what's new? Well, you know, uh, I finally found my phone. So yep. I'm now back on TikTok. So, Lost that for uh, a while. you know, absolutely. It was, it was gone for about a bit. It was really inconvenient. I'll tell you. Um, you but no, uh, welcome back video too. Like when I saw that pop up oh. the other day, I was like, yes, this is, this is my shit right here. <laughs> See, that was, uh, I was very, I was particularly proud of that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, honestly, things are going well. Uh, just excited to be back. I was on a, a project that I uh, can't necessarily talk about here, but I was on a project that I came back from overseas. And uh, yes, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, it's not as glamorous as others may think, but it was a documentary and went very well. And I was just very happy to be a part of it. And so now I'm back and ready to rock this out with you. Thank you, Jaden. I appreciate it. I appreciate the welcome back. It was very, uh, it's just nice to be back. I really miss this. Obviously, you and I have talked off mic and off camera about it, but like, uh, it's just nice to get a chance to hang out with you again and to, you know, absolutely miss this. But how about yeah. you, my friend? What's new? Uh, not much, my dude. Like, I've been hanging out at home, <laughs> waiting mm -hmm. for you to come back so we could talk again. <laughs> I've been crying to my girlfriend every couple of days, being like, where is Movie Man? I just, I, I, I need. Ali received similar things. Like, uh, <laughs> my, my, like so it was. <laughs> I'm like bothering yeah. her. I'm like, hey, uh, come, do you want to do you want to talk about movies today? Like, let's talk. And just hoping that uh, that she wouldn't tell me to shut up all the time. So she's just watching random. She watched like half of Licorice Pizza with me the other day while she was um, uh, like studying. I'm, and she's uh, like coming uh, in the... and being like, this movie's kind of weird, isn't it? I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, weird. it is. <laughs> It is, in fact, um, just one of those. Yeah. If you guys are over on TikTok too, I'm gonna like I, he he talks too much. I'm just gonna sit here silent the whole time. So I'm gonna end the TikTok live. <laughs> if you guys are here, Twitch.tv/onsecondthought, come over and chat with us there. We're gonna have a great time. Yeah. And then when we get this man to a thousand followers in a, in a couple of weeks, um, we're gonna start mm -hmm. doing tandem lives too. So yeah, if you're here, move on over to Twitch. Love you guys. And mm -hmm. now, wicked. Okay, so. All right. Um, not much has been happening with me, but since I've basically just been working and then coming home and going to sleep, my like content creation life has slowed down a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. so in the, in between, I've also been watching like heaps of films. Um, I've like Ooh. heaps is probably an overstatement, but most new things that have come out, I've now gone and seen, which is really, really cool. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. That, that's a great feeling when you actually feel like you're caught up. Yeah. With, like, what people are talking about, you know? Yeah, like, um, so I've been going to IMAX heaps, and I've got myself, like, two complimentary vouchers. Like, we went and did the Dark Knight trilogy in its original oh, how was that? presentation yesterday. Dude. Oh. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was immense, you know? Like, the Melbourne IMAX, I'm pretty sure we have the biggest screen in the world. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's in its original 1070 presentation, so it's in its full aspect ratio. It's like three stories high. Oh, glory. 
Oh, all dude. of that. And Nolan knows how to use his IMAX tech. Like mm. it is, and the sound was incredible, especially in like the last two films. Like Batman Begins, um, felt a little bit smaller in scale and didn't have any shots using IMAX cameras. It was a very just normal sure. aspect ratio. But for two and three, they both like half the film is is in the full aspect ratio and all the good bits too. You know, like Dark Knight. Oh, think yeah. about one of my favorite shots is when he's flying through Tokyo. Oh, oh sorry, Hong yeah. Kong. Sorry, my bad. Oh, um, he's yeah. flying through yeah. Hong Kong, and it's this full screen, and it's just Batman in the middle. It's just silent. He's like, and it's so beautiful, man. All that stuff was so good. Like all of uh, again, no one knows how to use IMAX like Nolan. It, it's yeah. say what you want about him. Say what you want about like uh, that. It's just what he does with IMAX cameras is nothing short of amazing. Mm, you know, like yeah. it's it's just. Denis pretty good as well, though, from Dune. Oh yeah, like don't Denis is just great. Like, frankly, out of the two, I prefer Denis personally. Like, I think just a lot of his films tend to say more about the stuff that I. I think we talked about before, but yeah, it's like yeah. stuff no, that that we sense. care about. Like where it's like um, he also does a lot know, of like sci-fi, as opposed to Nolan, whose sci-fi is grounded in reality a little bit. Does that make sense? It's like sci-fi. It's like sci-fi adjacent. You know, like yeah. his stuff is always. Uh, they it's always cool. have sci-fi. Like the only one that was like straight up sci-fi was Interstellar. But and I would I guess you could argue like Inception as well. But I don't know if Inception would be more sci-fi or if it would be more fantasy. Because it's like yeah. it borders the line of both, you know? No, you're absolutely right, I think. Because, um, yeah, Interstellar is naturally sci-fi. But then if you think about it as well, um, it's not sci-fi in the way that Dune or Star Wars or Star Trek is. Oh, it's definitely. It's sci-fi in a Nolan way, you know? Like, it's very grounded in reality. And it's all about maths and trying to figure out how to do all of this stuff. Yes. And obviously all of the uh concepts are incredibly you know quote-unquote realistic um so yeah even when he does like sci-fi properly he still does it sort of his way which i like i have mm. some new thoughts about the dark knight though upon watching the three again um, lay them on me i don't know if i like bale anymore <laughs> as batman really i just so th there's a few things that do this for me right so um I love watching the three films back-to-back because -back you get to see Nolan grow in his, like, filmmaking too. Because um, he, he's already great, you know? Like, he was a, a, a made man before Batman Begins, is my understanding, you know? Like, before then he had... Was Prestige uh, before? Prestige, I believe, happened in before between. Dark Knight, yep. but yep. After, Be after Begins. Yeah, and then... I know, believe that was what happened. Because I think it was... If I'm not mistaken, it was... Because he had, like, his first ever feature, and then he had Memento, which was what really got him uh, Batman Begins. Uh, and then I believe it was, in between, it was Prestige, in between Begins and Dark Knight, and then between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises was Inception. Yeah, let's have a look. That's, what I, oh. That's what I believe. Actually, so it looks like... Um, where are we? So, director, 17 credits. So... Following Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins in 2005, Prestige 2006, Dark Knight 2008, and then he did Inception and then Dark Knight Rises. It's cool that he got to kind of mix up what he was doing in the background too. So like in between oh, yeah. them. But watching how he must have taken his learnings from the Prestige to bring into the Dark Knight, like 
The Dark Knight is significantly better technically than Batman Begins. Yes. Where I was talking with my friend who came to the the, the marathon with me yesterday, um, and he was like, I can agree that The Dark Knight is better in terms of technicals, but I enjoy Batman Begins more. And I was like, it's really interesting. And there's some cool concepts in Batman Begins because it kind of introduces the idea of a Batman that's you know more grounded in reality, but still has a few fantastical elements. Um, yes. And even those are grounded in the sense that, you know, he's basically spraying people with like an aerosol version of like mm-hmm. LSD or DMT or something like that to make yeah. them trip balls. But it feels like a comic book story. Yes. That's opposed to The Dark Knight, which while it has comic book characters and villains and, and, and heroes, doesn't necessarily feel like a comic book movie. It feels like a really solid like action movie. Um. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. Um, but by putting Batman in like a, a, a realistic setting, you get a very different version of the character because, you know, there's things like... If you think about the design of the character, right? Like, Affleck's version is probably the most, like, comic-accurate visually um, because he's got, you know, his grey suit. He just looks like this hulking <laughs> sort of monster from, oh, like, yeah. the older version of Batman. And I love that a lot. Um, when I see Batman in armour it kind of doesn't do it for me that much, which I really like the Batman too, because he's not quite in armor, but he's not quite in fabric. It's like something in between. I think Matt Reeves really walked that line quite well. He he, he did do a good job of like, how do we walk this in between, like this Twilight Zone kind of thing, where it's like very clearly... Yeah, he has. Uh, to me, it reminded me of the Arkham games. Mm, yes, yes, was right. what uh, was what Matt Reeves struck, which for me has always been. Because I, I don't want to get too far off your, I don't want to get off too far off your point, but to to go to your uh, the idea of what Batman, because I agree with you. I'm like, yeah, Bale's uh, what I appreciated what Nolan brought to it, and obviously, it's great to look back in hindsight. You know, oh, with all of the comic book stuff we've gotten since. But when you think about it at the time, there wasn't really another thing to go off of except the stuff that was kind of made, you know, before. Mm. Like, obviously, you had the Clooney, you had Keaton, you had those. But what Nolan was doing, there was no path. There was no precedent for what he was doing, you know? He really kind of changed the game in that sense. Um, Where before then, nobody was really asking for dark stories. And I think back no, well, to yeah, like uh, unless you were doing X, unless you were doing X Men, like X Men was kind of the first one that kind of, you know, opening up with Auschwitz is the opening shot of X Men. True. It being like, oh, we can actually tell stories like this, you know, mm-hmm. we can actually do that. And then Nolan, like, showed the, like, not the commercial viability because you had stuff like Spider Man Two, you had stuff like some of these other things, but. What the Dark Knight did to bring comic book movies to a certain point of prestige, like that, that the Dark Knight is in motion picture history. Everybody, there was so much of an uproar after the Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture. And there was even, I don't know if this is true or not, this is just what I've heard and kind of was that like it was one of two films that year that wasn't nominated but was so close to being nominated that the very next year was when they expanded from 
four nominee, four or five nominees to nine to ten. Right. That, that like it was because of the Dark Knight, and I believe it was because of the Dark Knight and Wally. I yeah, believe really that year were the two that they changed that ruling. So to me, I I agree with you when it comes to like if we're gonna go and start talking about like best Batmans. Yeah, we got to talk about that shit, and we got to talk about yeah. D- does does it always work? Does it feel like again? People point out a lot of the action of like the fighting is not that good in the Dark Knight trilogy. Like it's not something to write home about. That's actually you know, one of the it's, things that I was going to talk about too. The, the... Well, could, well, go ahead. Yeah, go go, go continue your point. Well, I just want to get some of those. Touch in there. on from from yours as well. Um, because one thing that I love to talk about when it comes to Batman Begins and how much it kind of changed the the game of like superhero stories is. Without Batman Begins, Spider-Man 3 is a phenomenal film. <laughs> so, so hear me out here, right? So I just went back to confirm my point, but release date for Batman Begins is 16th of June 2005, right? Before then, Spider-Man 2 comes out, you know, September 2004. It's the greatest comic book movie of all time and set the standard for what a comic book movie should be. Nolan comes in less than 12 months later completely flips the cards on that and gives people something they didn't know they wanted, you know? Um, Like, we've reimagined Batman, we've put him back dark, we've made him more realistic, all this kind of stuff. And it created this story that was so grounded in reality and so dark that anything that was going to come afterwards was always going to feel campy. And so when you watch Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 together, the tone is very consistent. Like, and I will argue to death that Spider-Man 3 is not as bad a film as people have made it out to be. Yeah, it's not perfect. It has some issues, but peak cinema. Um, <laughs> but there are elements of it that seem like they're trying to figure out how to make it Batman Begins while also staying true to Spider-Man. You know, like you have Spider-Man killing someone or basically, you know, thinking that he's killed someone and being proud of it and it's, look how dark we are. But while also trying to stick to that sort of, you know, the camp that was there. So when you watch the Dark Knight trilogy together, they're very tonally consistent. You watch Spider-Man trilogy together, they're very tonally consistent. But if you watch it in release order, and you watch Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and then the Dark Knight comes and, like, shocks your your palate a little bit. Oh, And then you go back to Spider-Man 3, you go, what? What is this film? it's truly interesting and you even look at all of the different um origin stories to come out after batman begins right like uh the amazing spider-man which to me i freaking love the amazing spider-man i i uh, in the similar way where it's like i won't defend it but when i rewatched um when i rewatched the amazing spider-man 2 I felt the way that you do about Spider-Man 3. Because Spider-Man 3, I did go... I was just like, maybe it's just because I hate the... To- like, I really just do not like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I really do. I like it for the I'm Sam Raimi camp of uh, it. I'm going to have to leave. Um, we can't do this anymore. What do you mean? This, this is where we draw the line. This is it. This is he done. He's the king. What do you mean? He is the god. I will explain, and I will show you the videos that I've made on this topic. Where, uh, like, I, it's more of a thing of, I think that the first two movies are properly rated. And it's not that, like, I think that all of them are, 
like bad or something like it's clearly products of the times like spider-man one could not be more 2000s <laughs> and i love it for that yeah. it is it, it is so like but to me it's one of those things where i'm like but i can't tell how like a lot of this is charming in retrospect mm. because it's like you see a lot of the 2000s tropes in there but then i can't tell if it's just because of that and the nostalgia on but then there's a lot of choices there that are just very cringe oh, yeah. that are like it, but but, it, but again i get that a part of it is like that's the point yeah and i do like it because of that but it's more for me well when then I hear like Andrew Garfield slandered with a lot of shit. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to go there, <laughs> let me go over here and break down all of the reasoning with it, with like, you know, it's more for me. It's like, it's all in the more comparative sense mm. of it is like, I don't have a problem with them on their own, but if we're going to start over here and then insult Tom Holland shit or insult like Garfield, like, like criticism is fine. I'm a big fan of it. However, it's more if you're going and saying, oh, if th this, because there's tons of stuff that was done well in one and wasn't done well in another. As is always but... with art, right? Like you learn from your mistakes and then you make other mistakes instead, like the Amazing oh, Spider-Man oh. 2. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that, like, but there is, there is a lot of stuff in, in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 that I forgot about where there was a lot of stuff that I thought was in the first movie that I was like, oh shit i love that part and i didn't realize it was part of the second movie right. and not the first can you give me some examples and i was like like um a lot of the spider-man humor of uh andrew garfield like some of like the the best swinging sequences like really good in the first movie but they had so Elevated. much of this stuff and like it just was like to at the nth degree like even the stuff of like him going by a car and being like oh hello my name is spider-man like i'm doing over here you can call me mr spider my friends call me spider-man like doing <laughs> yeah. this and it was like it's kind of it really got the oh i get the quips that people like i get when they say they want spider-man to be funny or like i got what people talked about in like the comics you know being yeah. like oh that's what people want you know that's what people are talking about you know and it just and like i can't think of better examples than that but going back to the dark knight stuff it's like the you see the parallels with batman begins and the amazing spider-man mm -hmm. where it's like you saw they wanted to do spider-man but can we try to make it feel more realistic and grounded and it's like, that's going to throw some people off and it's going to bring certain people on. And it's like, and I mean, hell, you can argue even the, like, Iron Man. You can argue that we wouldn't get Iron Man without Batman Begins. Yeah. You know, like... <clears throat> like, you have Batman Begins in 2005 and then uh, Iron Man drops in 2008. Like, that's a standard production time for a film like that, right? Mm -hmm. Three years. Like, it's probably safe to assume that Batman <laughs> happened and John Favreau was like, Kevin, I have an idea. <laughs> exactly like um, very much akin to that because i think and that so that's continuing so on so yeah like like going with that and then with your thoughts about bail going forward like mm -hmm. i want to make sure we don't lose the thread like what was that for you like when you kind of started seeing the things that you at least comparatively with all the other batmans we've now seen i think that that's definitely a point of it because originally i saw it and i was like this is great like this is perfect like i've got no bombs issues anything with it but as more media is released and you get other viewpoints into this character and other perspectives 
you can't help but change the way you feel about things. <clears throat> it's like you said, it's the idea of Amazing Spider-Man versus Spider-Man. Um, some people like one, some people like the other, but some people saw the originals and then saw Amazing Spider-Man and then were like, I don't like that anymore, which is totally <laughs> valid. Um, oh, yeah. But there was no part of me that sat down and didn't enjoy the three films. You know, the, all three are still technically fantastic. They tell great oh, stories. Totally. It's, it's great. It's really great. But when I was really starting to think into the Batman of it all, I find that Bale's interpretation of the character doesn't seem to land with me as, as good as it once did. Um, I see. And there's a few things there. One is Batman Begins has, uh, for lack of a better term, a horrible fight choreography. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It doesn't feel well done. And for a film about ninjas you know, like, the potential? I don't know. The last fight with Ducard, I, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen Batman Begins, but if anything... It's been a bit. When we jump off this, go to YouTube and look up the final fight with Batman and, you know, Ducard or Ra's al Ghul. And just tell me what's happening there. It's so choppily edited. It's shaky cam. They're on a train. It's like, cut, 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 cut. <laughs> um, Spen is in chat. Spen, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Our, Our boy, boy is back! All right, Spen, what's your favorite Batman? That's the topic of discussion. Also, everybody in chat, put your favorite Batman. I'm curious. Anyway, yes, continue. Actually, that's, that's a great idea, chat. Join in. What do you guys think of yeah. the different Batmans? Who's your favorite and why? Um, Here's mine. Oh, oh, I was about to agree. And it looks like Spen is on the same path where I'm just like... That's it, Spen. I, the correct answer. That is the correct answer. So um, I would... And I will, t and I will also, uh, I, I like go go with what your point was because I'm really curious on yeah, yeah, no, uh, I like hear insights as well what your feelings were. Yeah. So, um, again, the the fight choreography in number one isn't good, and you can see that he kind of took that on board for two and three, but then when you get to see Batman fight more because it's you know it's choreographed and it's shot a little bit cleaner, then. I start to get to consider, do I like his fighting style? And I don't. <laughs> I find yeah. that, like, especially at the start of Dark Knight, he's doing these moves where he's, you know, he's very rigid, and he kind of moves like this. He's like, I got you. I'm going to stop you. And I'm just like, okay. And I find that whenever he's fighting, he's always kind of moving like this, and he just feels... Think about watching uh, Ben Affleck in that warehouse scene and how beautiful he moves, and he's doing these... Flip you, put your head in the ground, like, oh, to me, I go, gonna, that gonna, is gonna drag your, yeah, that is a beautiful Batman fight sequence. And I haven't seen the old ones. Maybe we look at putting those in our movie of the week. Like, I've never seen the Tim Burton Batmans outside of random. What Jaden mentioned is the point. That's the constraints of the suit. So that brings me back to that point of, um, with Bale, I can understand why they go that route. But unfortunately, it doesn't oh, yeah. work that well for me. And then on that, when you see Batman on this beautiful big screen and these close-up shots with an IMAX camera, you see all the details of the suit. And I don't think I like it anymore. I feel bad. But I just I you look at the look suit at the and suit. I go, it's kind of ugly. Especially the cowl. The way that his mouth is just kind of like, it shows off this. 
It feels so weird. And then sometimes the suit presses against his face and it just like squishes his mouth out and he's like, where is she? Where is she? <laughs> it's, it's... So I, I like, I love the film so much. And I had a great time. Um, but oh, yeah, sure. to Spen's point, the, the Nolan Batman suit looked a little goofy. For something that was meant to be really grounded in reality, it felt out of place in its own universe. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then you compare it to like oh. the design of Bane is really cool. Um, well, that's, I think, that the thing that a lot of the Dark Knight... I, I think, again, nobody... Uh, ah, hold oh, on. There we go. I, I, I'm back. Oh, I hit I hit the space bar here, and oh. then I ended up, at, like, accidentally... It had an effect. Anyway, um, but... Uh, uh, Lou's in chat as well. Hi, Lou. I, I, I'm Lou, how you doing? Anyway, uh, but just going... What I felt about what Nolan stuff did so well was the costumes of the villains. Like mm. undoubtedly the villains, so the design, cool. well, all the designs of them, Joker's new design, you know, two face, everybody like you can go down each and every single one of them. I think that that was the main appeal to a lot of those. Like, again, besides the, uh, uh, like the suit. Cause I think the suit to me, the first movie, it works like well enough again when you consider the time consider like mm -hmm. what it was and they even kind of make fun of the suit in the next movie i love that actually and i thought because i thought it makes sense because also they talk about why they you know why did they change why did it uh you know he wanted to be able to move his head which wasn't done by any other batman up to that point mm. like no other batman was able to move their head up till that up, up till the dark night and when the Dark Knight did that, I felt like I really appreciated the suit in that movie, but I didn't appreciate it in Dark Knight Rises. Like, it felt like it was really well used in the Dark Knight. Mm. And then Dark Knight Rises, because it felt like it... What I liked about the suit in the first movie was they gave purpose to, like, everything, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they gave... It all had deep meaning, and then you have the stuff like the cape. Like, the cape to me in the first movie, that was such a cool thing. The fact that oh, it's like, oh, dude. the reason he has yeah. that was to be able to glide. And, and then the, the fact that they... the it as well, where it's like... Again, it's, it's an R&D thing. They're talking about yeah. it as like a use of military things. Like, the, the the way that they build the suit in those films makes sense for that universe. Right? It exactly. totally does. And in a real world, that's probably what Batman would be. You know, he would be in exactly. triple weave Kevlar armor and be this big bulky dude because... Bro, he would get shot, he would get stabbed, he needs to be able to survive that. And the fact that they then bring that up in Dark Knight, where it's like, hey, listen, if you want to be lighter, you want to move faster, hey, you're going to need, like, it's going to open you up to gunfire and knives. Yeah. And um, like, and it's like, and I, which to me, it's like, you know, we're used to films where that's either implied or that's just not discussed. Yeah. And I thought that that always was an interesting thing that they brought up. And... What I love about the chain, and that's also what I like with the Dark Knight, was then you're seeing him use everything. You're seeing him use it a lot more fluidly. Like, you're seeing him use that cape to glide around Hong Kong like you're talking about. And then, when it gets to Dark Knight Rises, you just don't see it as much. Mm. Like, you're not... Like, I, I remember it, it was the equivalent of, for me, it's like Indiana Jones 3 and his whip. Because in the first two movies, you're seeing him use that whip a ton, and it's very practical. And then he uses it, like, three times in the third movie. Oh, and I'm like, and again, 
not that it was a problem for me, but it was such a cool thing that like it felt to me. I'm like, did it's kind of like sometimes they bring it up uh in uh Clone Wars when Jedi's forget to use the force. It's almost like you forget you have it. Yeah. Not that you need the cape all the time, but it's like you're just put in situations where using the cape isn't as beneficial. Jaden says he's 80% sure Batman never uses his cape in Dark Knight Rises, and I think he's he uses it like he uses it like twice, like if that. And I'm like, you're absolutely right, Jaden. And that was what threw me off with the use of it. And so that's like going back to it. It always felt like those were cool things that they brought in, and then in the third movie, it felt like, eh, did. Did you just forget that you have it or just you didn't want or like, cause I get new challenges, new things, but a part of me feels like it felt weird mm. and I don't know how to describe it. And again, it's like, I, I consider it a nitpick at best. Yeah. But like, that's just that when I the think film. Batman didn't use his cape, so I'm not going to like it, but I can understand. Oh, the exactly. Mentality. I feel like there may be an in-universe answer for it. Like, not very clear, but, I mean, you know, obviously with the whole leg thing, if he's using his cape all the time, he's landing on that leg, and maybe that's the thought process. But something else about The Dark Knight Rises that kind of, like, irked me more than it did uh, in the past was... Yeah, yeah. ...how they used the editing to kind of mislead the audience in that final sequence. So, Batman gets away, right? Yeah, and they have him kind of like crash through a building and then come out the other side and fly off and in my mind I was like he jumped out in the building and then kind of just snuck out afterwards because he fixed his autopilot but then watching it again yesterday Batman is cut into the scene until the final moment and then you see him at the end and I go and you see you know Alfred cry and all this kind of stuff and I suppose it kind of opens up the question to did he actually survive or was this like Alfred's dream of what he wanted to see like maybe that's the case but then, you know, towards the end of the film, you've also got them talking about the pearls that are missing, and then she's there with the pearls, and I'm like, it's the kind of ambiguity that I don't like. Does that make sense? No, I agree with you there. Like, I think that it, it, you get to that point, and it's like, it's also just such a more outlandish ambiguity hmm. that you go, like, you're going, like, bro, that's a stretch. You really want me to think that he survived? Like, it's, take the ambiguity from Inception, right? Like, you know, you have that. And I think that's a sense where ambiguity works. Exactly Because right. it really... And, again, you could argue, is it necessary? Probably not. But, like, but... What I like about the ambiguity in that is it... it I can see where we might not know. You know, like, I can see where there was an issue. Like, it, I could you're see You're talking about the Inception difference. in this sense, yeah? Like Inception. Yeah, because but it, it with the Dark creates... Knight Rises with the Dark Knight Rises, we didn't get a sense of like this is a, a nuke going off, basically. Mm. This is a and it's a really difficult thing to say, oh, a nuke goes off, somehow he survives. And now sure, you can argue as you're saying, where is it misleading in the cut because oh, that's not actually him flying over the ocean, that's like him like minutes in is it a weird thing there mm. but because it's such like a, a left up to us thing like i almost wish we never cut back to batman That's... and you just saw and you just saw like everybody's reaction and it flying over mm. there because then he could have gotten out yeah the he last could've. shot would work if he just said you know um 
a hero can be anyone, even a man who puts a coat and he's like Bruce Wayne, and then it's just like one cut of Batman, and then it's just flying. That would work. Um, and then it kind of makes that ambiguity a bit more realistic because you go, okay, I can see that happening. But the way that the film's cut, it's cut to give you the impression that he did die. And then you get the, um, what's it called? The the funeral and you see Alfred's fully yeah. broken up and he's very great performance. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, he's like, oh, he's okay. All right, there you go. I cried about you like a week ago. And for us, it's seconds ago, you know, for us, it's seconds, like, and I, and and, you know, back to our favorite Batmans, because this is a thing that I thought they did better with Rob Pattinson than they did in, because I I still go, I love Andy Serkis and I'm excited to see more of him. Yeah, man. Uh, Like as Alfred, I thought that he, in his short little stint in the Batman showed how much of a potential he like has as the character yeah i did love him i thought it was fantastic casting oh yeah and my whole thing was you get that but what i michael kane to me is so good as alfred like he brings out so much of the personality of that character so much of this implicit wisdom and the humor of the film Mm. Like he, and, and never in a way that felt forced, never in a way that felt like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, like that like a, joke. A bit of a goofy dad in the sense he's like just pointing, yeah. making that, that fun uncle who's just kind of like making fun of his like kid, you know what I mean? But also in a way that like when he gave Bruce Wayne advice, you know, this wasn't a guy that was going to let you get away with like that shit. You know, he always was like very consistently like, Again, like he, like one of my favorite lines in The Dark Knight is that idea of like, you know, we all know how you like to say, I told you so. And he's like, you know, today I don't want to. And then five seconds later, but I did bloody tell you. <laughs> like, it's just, it's yeah. like, I, I want to, but the thing that they did really well in The Dark Knight or, or in The Batman was they have that line at the, in The Dark Knight Rises where it's like, I never wanted you to come back. I know there was nothing meant like left here for you, but pain and tragedy. Beautiful. And by the time you get to Dark Knight Rises, a part of me goes, yeah, I don't know why he's still doing this. Like, or like, again, I know that he's not. And then he gets back into it, but I'm like, and I get what they were trying to do with kind of now knowing a little bit more about Batman comics. Like you're trying to do the Dark Knight Returns. You're trying to do this thing, but we haven't been gone from Batman long enough that if that that time period like that time of like worked for me yeah you know like it just you know i didn't or at least in the long run like it works well fine in there but what i thought they did a really great job in the batman was you get to the ending of that movie right and you have that shot of him and selena kyle where she's like, oh, we can essentially, we can run away together. We can run a, we can run away. We can be gone. And then, but you just know, due to the scenes that we have just seen, where basically a bunch of these Riddler thugs took Batman as an inspiration for this. And him taking that personally and seeing what his, you know, whether he meant to or not, what his dad did. And you feel this sense by the end of that movie, at least that I get, because they made Gotham so much of a character in the film, 
it made me understand. Like I wanted him to go with her. Mm. For Bruce Wayne as a person, that was what needed to happen. But it couldn't happen. Because what I love about it is you really do feel him go, uh, it, it truly is this, this is going to claim his life. This quest to help Gotham will kill him eventually. Like it, it's like, and they nailed that to me in a way that they made it so believable. And they also put him in such a vulnerable position as opposed to Bale, where Bale, it always felt like somehow he's going to get out of this. Like, I, I, I don't know if like, and not in a bad way, because at the time it didn't, I didn't mind it, but having seen this choice, I, I felt, I feel like making him younger and more and less perfect made it so much more like, oh, I could see him going too far. Yeah, I could see him getting in over his head. And that's what really works for me about uh, the Batman is you get to that ending and it's like, yeah, but I got to do this because I am part of the reason this city is as broken as it is and I got to fix it. Yeah, like not even not even a standpoint of like, oh, I got to do it in an altruistic sense of self, almost like he's now repaying the debt of what he just did. Yeah, it's like that's how least how I and it's it's and to me, I love the idea that, yeah. It might claim his life, as she says, like, this is going to this is going to like kill you, basically. And. And he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, because you know it probably is. Hmm. And low-key, this Batman almost kind of welcomes that. You know? Yeah, like, I mean, in it's a... the Batman that doesn't want to be... He doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne, you know? He wants to be just Batman. Um, and I think that you could also talk about, like, the, the symbolism of that, too, with that character, where it kind of has... Batman has already claimed the life of, of Bruce Wayne at that point. You know, like, he he, he doesn't exist. He's, he's he's a nothing character. And I heard that as a, like, you know, sort of complaint on the Batman that we didn't see enough Bruce Wayne. Like, he just... And I'm just like... That's, that's, that's the, point. the point. Like, this is that's a character the... who is... Doesn't understand how to... The it's, it's a character that doesn't understand grief. the necessity... Deal with his grief, <clears throat> and it's a character that doesn't understand the necessity... Of Bruce Wayne. Mm. He doesn't understand. The only way I can do things is being... Batman. Exactly. Well, again, one of my favorite things, I did this in my, if, if anybody's interested, I did a full breakdown of my thoughts on, on the Batman on my Fantastic YouTube channel. Video, it's, one of my, by the way. it's one of my favorite videos. Like I put a lot of effort into that one, but uh, what I love about the movie is it starts off and he says like, and I like that they made this contradiction with the character he says, I'm doing this for my family's legacy. But what's the thing that he never wants to do? He doesn't want to meet with the people that run the company. He doesn't want to go and show up as Bruce Wayne. He doesn't want to wear the cufflinks. He doesn't know where they are. He, like, he says he cares, but he doesn't. It's the... He doesn't. Like... It's that kind of Walter White paradox in the sense of, like, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for everyone else. But it's like, you're doing it because you like it. Exactly. It's that simple. Like, you it's, found something. It's that easy. It's your drug. You're addicted. You can't get away. 
Oh, totally. And that's exactly it. That's exactly what it is. And that's what I always thought was so, I don't know, compelling about what, you know, I don't know what he does. And I, I would love to hear from Spen as well about this, if he's still in the chat, because what I thought they did really interestingly was how they portrayed that in the in the musical motifs. Mm -hmm. You know, like they did a really good job of having the, you know, like the uh the whole Batman theme, like the main theme, be this kind of haunting, relentless, you know, driving almost jaws like force of yeah. of sound. That's a very interesting point, actually. I like that. And uh, to me, it represented his Batman tendencies. Because then you even hear it muted in some scenes where it's the, still like the bum, 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 bum. And it's, and you just hear it, but it's, but it's like, I think it's done with a guitar or something, but they change the instrument. And it's like, and then he has that beautiful, haunting, almost uh, melancholic you know thing it's like when he's going to the 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 mayor's funeral scene like that's one of the more prominent uses of it and to me i'm like that's that's the bruce wayne theme that's the wayne theme is this mournful song and then that's whenever the other theme comes in i'm like that is it's the it's the dichotomy between the two yeah just and it's how one will overwhelm the other but that's like the thing for me what Matt Reeves did was he brought the emotion to Batman that I didn't understand before. Because mm. I because because I would hear people say shit like, oh, Batman's the real Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, OK, I get it intellectually, but I don't understand it. Like, I don't I hear that complaint, I, but I don't get people's attachment to it until I saw that movie. And I'm like, I get what people were missing. Yeah, I get what people wanted from from Batman. And I'm like. To again, I think you and I have talked about this before, where it's like it. I don't know. I understand why there are people that don't like the movie, or it's not their cup of tea. But for me, there is no better, like no better superhero film for me than that movie. Like I, I think, I think looking at it right now, I would say it's probably my number one favorite superhero movie. I'd probably say Spider-Man 3 is better, but yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that I like about films like <clears throat> The Batman and Logan is how they kind of transcend their genre. Oh, like, yeah. They, yeah, cool. They're great superhero movies, but they're, they're great movies, you know? Like, any person can sit down and watch this and have a great time. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, I think that you make a lot of, like, really fantastic points about it, honestly. And yeah, if you guys are still in chat too, like, tell us... Again, you know, your favorite please, Batman. Please, please. Why? We're talking about, obviously, Robert Pattinson's Batman right now, so give us reasons as to why you love him. I'd love to get your insights. Um, <clears throat> but I think that, uh, coming back to Dark Knight for a second, too, um, one of the things that I notice is that in the second and third film, there are a lot of things that you kind of could nitpick, but for some mm. reason, I haven't over my life. You know, I kind of watch it, and I, I think that for myself, when I'm watching these kind of films or any kind of film, there's a level of like, I, I don't know. I find myself able to suspend my disbelief a lot. Um, yeah. 
and you know that can come down to things like for example like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show where yeah there are some kind of plot contrivances in there but I don't know like it didn't bug me like people were out here being like one of my friends was like man I love it but I just don't understand how like Reva got to Tatooine so fast or she got ahead of this and that and I'm like I don't care <laughs> yeah I, it's yeah when you have those moments of like eh but it didn't but but to you it didn't it didn't affect your experience like yeah. it didn't it, it, it was like, like sure, oh I got there's a little bit of mental gymnastics that has to happen there but it happens so naturally for me in something like Star Wars that it I don't know like it doesn't bug me um like you know uh spacey wacy that's how <laughs> it's a whole lot of uh humbly jumbly timey wimey spacey wacy timey wimey timey um, wimey it, it it just do yeah but <laughs> it's it's yeah it's, it's hard to kind of understand but like even in scenarios like i was talking about this with lucia the other day too and it's kind of off the point but i was thinking about how when i watch clone wars right clone wars has lots of elements of being a kid's show um mm -hmm. but it obviously is quite dark in places as well. But for me, when I watch that show, I feel like I kind of think of Star Wars as a retelling of a story that's happened, right? Like, because mm. I think that's what George Lucas was going for a long time ago in A Galaxy Far Away. This happened, and these are kind of actors telling you the story of what happened. And when I think about the universe in that way, things like, for example, think about the B1 mm -hmm. battle droids. They are completely incompetent. Like, yeah, I, I it, logically, I don't care how much you overwhelm um, the clones by having that amount of droids. That is not you're just so choice. stupid. Like, you're just so stupid. How could the Separatist Alliance ever thought think that they were going to win that war when they were using B one battle droids? And then against those clones, <laughs> exactly. And I can still understand the, the 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 theme of thinking people versus droids makes sense right like i can understand that theme and that's why the clones are able to overcome it but when i watch something like clone wars there's a part of my brain in the back it's right in here maybe it's on this side i don't know it's in there <laughs> <laughs> where i go if this story happened in real life the droids aren't like this like that's yeah. that's something that's dialed up for the entertainment for the kids if i was there in that universe a b1 battle droid wouldn't be like ah oh, don't we take prisoners he'd be like hey bitch Knees go. <laughs> yeah, but basically, basically, like you're kind of seeing it as almost as if like the animation puts a particular lens on it. Yeah, you know, and like I, like I think going. That's okay. Yeah, like, and I can get that. I can get behind that. Like, it's even you see stuff. Uh, sometimes they do it in the MCU where, um, oh, one thing will just mention it, like a mention this, but then another thing will be like, oh, this is a dramatic like a means of dramatic storytelling mm. as opposed to another person who will use it even certain characters right like when uh captain america was in like joss whedon's hands he didn't necessarily know what to do with him he didn't right. necessarily have that and then uh but then the russos take him and it's like oh i know who this guy is this guy is you know th this is a man out of time trying to do what's right and we're going to give him all these challenges that are against it and it's yeah. like oh i didn't even know that and I I can see what you're saying with Star Wars, and for you, it's a little bit easier to go, yeah, I'm able to overlook that stuff. I mean, you and I talk about even some stuff with, like, to me, it's like Rebels is incredible storytelling. But yeah, to look at the animation, and I'm like, if that's not your cup of tea and you're not able to look past it, man, it's going to be a long ride for you. I you know, like, like kind of thing? into that same mentality, too, where if this was happening in real life, a lot of the you know, probably potty humor wouldn't happen. You know, I'm watching Resistance mm. right now, 
and I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. I'm not going to lie. Oh, cool. um, I'm having Fantastic. a great time with the show. But again, it's an element of that. I'm going, I know I'm watching a kid's show, but I know that if I were in the universe right now, that's not how it would be happening. So I'm kind of like making my head cannon up as I go. And not head cannon in the sense that I'm changing the story at all, but those little things of like, oh, he's walking somewhere, accidentally kicks the droid, and then he's jumping up and down being like, ah, oh, my foot. It doesn't bug me. Yeah. Um, like, and, and I it's... find that I can do that with, with, with a lot of things, but Star Wars in particular, um, I'm able to get over Oh, I mean, I, under, I understand that too, because, I mean, even uh, you think of stuff like when I was a kid, like looking at Star Wars, right? Mm. I never was looking at it with a standpoint of, uh, let's just say, critical analysis, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not watching it going, oh, well, that's really interesting that they, uh, you know, flipped the whole mentor role <laughs> on its head, like, the way that I watch something now. I don't like where the way you I make go, fun I'm... of my voice there. <laughs> that's not nice. Hey, man, listen, I just call it as I see it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just... <laughs> But uh, you missed me. Anyway, uh, the whole you actively, you willingly do this to yourself. Yeah, you know, like you know. I hunger for this. Anyway, go, let's talk. Make fun of me. Let's. It, it's one of those things where I I I crave that sort of self-deprecation humor. Yeah. And so, uh, but my feeling with it is like now, like Force Awakens was the first one that I was able to watch objectively. You know, like it was one that I was able to watch as a person who studies film, like analyzes this stuff. And that was a different viewing experience because I was like, because then you would kind of look back at stuff and go, oh, but I was okay when they did it then. Like, I, I didn't mind, like, even the prequels as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I don't understand. Like, when I would hear people say, oh, some stuff's boring, I'm like, yeah, but I just skip past that part and then it's onto the exciting stuff that I do like. Like, I didn't think about them holistically as films you know i just felt this is a story mm. and i'm watching the story i don't I, I i didn't have a point where i thought as a kid oh i can have my own opinion on that you know like or i can have my opinion on how that story is told because really i just was accepting it's a really interesting and, point you mentioned and i find that um particularly because as we grow up our media literacy improves and particularly when yeah. you grow up in a way of like starting to sort of love films you want to understand what makes them work like it's yeah. like we talking about better call soul the other day and it, it's this mentality of i want to know what the creators were thinking like i want to yeah. be in their, i want to be in their skin and see what they were doing um with their uh my two credits has redeemed a collectible showcase i have to show him something all right go sure, sure. Um, uh, let me see if i can find something too yeah i'm gonna give you a couple so, this right here, this is a 3D printed version of Django Fett's gun. Oh, that's um, good. From Attack that's of the a good one. This is really, really cool. Uh, my little brother in chat, Jaden Bonilla there, uh, made it. You guys can follow him on Instagram um, at Bonilla, oh, that's Bonilla so Workshop. Cool. Um, he's been working on some pretty cool stuff. He also printed um, this Eye of Agamotto which was a failed print. It didn't come out properly yet, but um, oh, he, he printed a proper version, but this one failed, so he gave it to me. So I have this, like, printed version of the Eye oh, of that's Agamotto. cool. I that's love just that. Pretty dope. Um, oh, yeah, and I'll give you one more as well. <clears throat> this is my egg attack Darth Vader. Um, he's adorable. He's out of battery, I think. Oh, no, he turns on a little bit. Uh. But... 
it was one of the first collectibles that I bought myself with like my working money. He's got a nice amount of beef to him. He's quite heavy. And I've also always loved how his helmet comes off like this and he's just got this whole thing. So there's my few collectibles for you, my two credits. Oh, that's fantastic. Me, Let me see here. I'll show a couple to... Uh... Ooh, this was gifted to me by a friend. And um, uh, with my obsession with IG droids, uh, it became very easy to shop for me. Beautiful. Uh, it's kind of this nice, like, little uh, stand, and I, I it's IG eleven it too, isn't it? Not IG eighty eight. Oh yeah, it's not. It's uh, you know, I take what I can get now. Uh, that's <laughs> like uh, until we make our IG eighty eight a solo story. Um, you know, there's not, there's just not gonna, it just isn't gonna happen. Yep. Um, I want to. Um, I just I wonder oh. what we do in the shadows with IG droids. Like they all live in a house. And they they're trying to figure out. He's like, that, "Oh, but, can you?" Like, they got like a Kiwi the accent, kid. and they're just going like, "Hey, can you unplug from the charging port? Because like, I need I need to charge. I'm going on a date tonight with this beautiful Forlom." Like, see, you know, and it's so funny because now my nerd head goes, "Well, then you exactly like you do like the whole twin system that they had in like Legends, where you just have it's literally just the same droid over the different consciousness." Mm. And I'm like, "See, that's what I do." And then I have, I don't know if this is gonna work. But I have the entire GameStop Bounty Hunter scene collection. Ooh, ooh, this is not going to work, but the, the oh, whole, like... Dude, that's uh, so cool! It's, like, it's the I... the whole set. Who have we got there? We've the got Dengar, IG-88, Boba Fett, Bosk. Uh, Bosk, Forlom, Forlom, and Zuckus are next. You can't uh, really Yeah, I can't see really see them, them in there. But yeah, I knew like... I knew the names. I knew it. I'm a good Star Wars see? fan. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, uh, that's so cool, dude. Like, uh, and because this was the scene uh, that just spurred on my imagination as a child. Like this, this one's pretty cool. Like you can see a better yeah. look of a mirror. And uh, see, thank you, my two credits. I was impressed with myself in that moment. <laughs> but uh, um, Spin like... also asked. Uh, he said, "I know this has nothing to do with anything, but have you guys played Stray yet? Have you heard of this game?" No. What is it? Uh, so it's a game that was announced for PS5 when the PS5 came out, and you basically play as a stray cat. And I think I've I've heard I've heard people. I really want to play it, Spin. I haven't got around to it yet, but me and my girlfriend are gonna get it and play through it together this week, I reckon, because um, it's a it's a pretty short game. Um, oh, thank you fantastic. for that. Uh, spending those points too, my two credits. If anybody else wants to spend points at all, you can hit that little button there, and there's a couple of random things in there that, that you can do. Um, I'll oh, yeah. actually modify them. I forgot that I did them. So I might modify them for, for like next week. Um, so they're oh, more, like, yeah, movie be related. Cool. Like, oh, who's your favorite superhero? Stuff like that. Oh, totally. Um, I'm uh, pumped, Ben. Is... I'm pumped. Oh, yeah. This is the only uh, This is the only other thing I'll show. Is just this one was... I love Funkos, but I was all... I, I only like them... It, like, it, it has to be a good design of a character, right? Oh, See, that's a good, like, that, they're so just cute. ones that are perfect. The The one that I always was bugged by was there was no good Winter Soldier pop. Like, they, they had ones, but it always did not do him service. Yeah. Like, did not do him justice. And then there was one that came out that was, like, a part of Year of the Shield collection or something. And I ended up, uh, like, I was just, I had to go to an off-brand site to get him because mm -hmm. I was like, but, but I needed him. This this was it. It was the oh, that's whole, dope. right? 
I actually found was... I had that same mentality with Darth Vader pops for ages. I didn't like yeah. the design of Darth Vader pops for a long time, and then they're they're pretty good now actually. But he's gone. But for a while they oh I'm back now. <laughs> I had to replace him. Uh, but basically, yeah, no, I hear you. Oh, those are the micro ships are really kind of cool. Like yeah. I want to I want to get some at some point. Um, but uh, uh, like it, it's. I agree with you there. Oh, I'll tell you what was funny. I, when I was in Israel, I went to a random comic shop with uh, my friend. And we were there. And uh, what happened was he um, basically uh, we were looking. They had this whole Funko Pop section. And I found one thing. I did not end up buying it because I was just like, I, I didn't know if I wanted to spend the money on it. But they had like some old Funko Pops amidst it. And they had one that was uh, a celebration, like an old Star Wars celebration f special Funko Pop. It was the Darth Vader from the concept art. Wow. Of uh, And it was like, oh. it was only for, and I've it was like those. only for, it was only like a, I think it probably was like about 30 bucks, like US dollars wise. And I was like, okay, I really debated getting that for a second because I was like, the, I was like, listen, the actual value of this pop is probably astronomical. Like it's, yeah. Did you like, buy it? No, because I was just like, I, cause I just didn't know if I was like, but at that, cause at that time I was like, I got to transport it to like seven other countries. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be carrying this around for like seven countries now i kind of wish i had but <laughs> i'm like uh oh yeah spence but, highlighted his message as well he says may thanks. the force be with you thanks spence and also with you my brother and also with you and also with you but so going back to our old uh like uh, talking about uh stuff with so what were some of the plot points in the dark knight that you were able to overlook initially like and and now you're kind of like not that they still bother you, but it's like, I see problems yeah. in the story now. Like, So I was talking about this with my mate who came with me yesterday, and he was very much like in the camp of Batman Begins. He likes a lot more than Dark Knight, and he was explaining mm -hmm. why. And there are, like, like the first half of the Dark Knight is almost perfect. Like, it, it is oh, yeah. really, really good. The introduction to every single character is fantastic. Um, it's just, it's really good. One of the things that I noticed... Just dropping everything. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I noticed is like when, like they're leaving the heist the first time. You have the bus that just comes out and joins the line of buses as the cops drive past. And there's part of me like I've seen that before. You know, like I watched Cinema Sins when I was younger. I've seen them say that, but like watching it again after not seeing it for a while, I'm like, that is really dumb. Like, how did they not catch him straight away? What do you mean? Uh, but, again, is it something that I need to let ruin my enjoyment of the film? Like, no. it's It looks cool. It's a cool but, moment. Yeah. It's it shows cool, how well thought out the plan is that they were able to get out of it and get back in. But I go, that's a line of school buses. How did the person behind him not go, hey... Um, cops, uh, um, there was a bank robbery. Excuse robbers. me. Uh, yeah, this guy just drove out of the side of a bank with a bus and joined our queue of buses. Um, movie over. Like, like it, it could have been a good thing of like, you know, just seeing it just drive over. Like, 
Yeah, and sure, like you could have people go and you know, I again, it's one of those things where I agree with you. Like it's little things like that too that that scene always gets me with that. Because I'm like, it's so good. Like that moment is so good. But I'm like, logically, it kind of falls into the rule of cool. You know, like uh, where it's if it's really cool. Don't worry about the particulars. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's to- like totally right, though. Like, um, there's a lot of things like that that happen, and you kind of you let it go because, like, it is it is cool. Um, and I feel like at a certain point, it's kind of like one of those graphs. Like, you remember from How I Met Your Mother how they have the hot crazy scale? It's like the cool, mm-hmm. realistic scale. Yeah, it's like, like cool. We can, we can it's like term. cool. And- it's like cool and logical. It's like yes. what it is. Like it's like, or cool and realistic. Like it's. It's one of those things where you go, yeah, okay. Like it, it's very, very cool, but the uh, like as it goes over here, it's gonna be the m- least realistic, you know. Like that's the whole point. But uh, what I thought was another one for me is similar. It's even the opening introduction of the Joker, not when he comes out of the cafe, but when he's standing on that street corner. Yes, one of the things on. is what. what yeah, 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 when you think about it, it's like, because we don't see that at first, it's like, oh, he puts the mask on, so it's like, oh, we just think it's a, some random guy. But when you know it's the Joker, it's like, how weird is Gotham that you're just going about your day, and you just see this guy in cloud makeup, and you're just like, nah, alright, nah, yeah. that, like, all, like all's, all's, uh, all's right in the world, I suppose, you know, sort of thing. Um, like, how weird does your day have to get in Gotham for that <laughs> to, be to be a normal thing? Pass money and be like, mm, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it just—it's insane. It's so crazy. Um, well, and mm. there are things that when you're watching the film, you don't like. It doesn't take away from your enjoyment, or you don't sit there and go, "Well, that's stupid. that wouldn't happen." Like, ugh. have you two seen the Gotham Knights trailer for the CW show? I have, I saw that, and yeah. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> he called me his little Robin. Sus, sus, Batman. Sus, Batman. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like that. I don't like that shit. Uh, yeah, my yeah, credits, exactly. It, it exists. It's, um, it's, it's it, a thing. It's a show. Uh, I'm sure it has fans. It's coming. I'm out. sure that there are. I'm sure there are people that like it. There, there are actors. Good in for there. them. There may mm-hmm. or may not be a script. Right now, it doesn't seem like there's a script. But yeah, I, I assume there, there was a. You know, I assume there was a script at some point. Yep. Uh, there was a studio. maybe at the end of it, you know. There's a, it, it's coming out on a platform. I hear. Um, it's it's giving me it's giving me um, <laughs> Inhumans. It, it, it truly does get that sort of thing of like, but there's a lot of CW shit that I'll be honest. I just have no idea what they're talking about. Like there's a, like the, like there will be CW stuff that happens, and I'll just not even know that was a thing. Mm-mm. Like I didn't know they that do that existed. So much. Like, it's crazy. You know, I actually remember reading uh, that in. Did you watch the show Legends of Tomorrow? I remember hearing like a, I never watched it. I know what you're talking about though. There was a um, episode of Legends of Tomorrow, I believe, where they go back in time to change something, and they kind of create a world where George Lucas never made Star Wars, like by accident, <laughs> and they come back to the future, and the world is like entirely different. Um, I want to. One sec. So, George Lucas in Legends. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, serves as a prop master for Bill Gates. 
Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Yeah, there's an episode called Raiders of the Lost Art, the ninth and mid-season premiere of the second season. And they go and meet George Lucas and do something. And yeah, I don't entirely know what the story is there, but my understanding is that something happens that results in him not making Star Wars and the world is different and they have to go back and kind of fix it. Oh, that's such that a funny That might be completely twist. incorrect, but he, he shows But that. it's like... But, but, but like... Uh... After we're done talking about like more Batman stuff, like that's a good question. Like with some things, where I do think about that often, where you know, to go back to a time where something doesn't exist, because you hear stories about like when Star Wars came out or when Empire Strikes Back came out, like how that how people reacted to it. Mm. And for a while, I was like, you know, I, I I didn't feel like our generation ever lived through something like that. And then it wasn't until Endgame and Infinity War when I was like, oh, this is our Star Wars. Like, this is, this moment here is the equivalent of seeing Empire Strikes Back in the theaters, you know, seeing, and I really do feel like Infinity War was that, like seeing Thanos win was that Empire Strikes Back level of shit that, like, I still maintain, I'm like, Infinity War to me I was thinking about it recently. I'm like, I think Infinity War is my favorite Marvel movie. I really do. Well, that's just like incorrect. I love. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty similar, actually. It'd be top three for me. Like, I de- it's yeah. Like, if it's not number one, it's top three. Like, I don't know where Guardian because I feel like Guardians, Infinity War, and Winter Soldier are all up there for me. I know it's an incredibly original list, and it's uh, like. Uh, my because black panther's there too like i think that's top five as well as um again i really love ant-man and the wasp so like that i'm gonna have to put those up there but anyway going back to it it's like i do think about you ranking in my phone here i'm trying to find it um mcu you ranking oh yeah i don't know i i had him i had him here um (laughs) Oh, here we go. Boom. Got it. Um, I have Captain America Winter Soldier first, Iron Man Infinity War, then Guardians Ragnarok Endgame, Iron Man 3. Oh, yeah. And okay. Yeah. I, li- I like Iron Man. Again, I think we've talked about Iron Man 3 being like, mm-hmm. I get, uh, like, I just don't, mm-hmm. I-, I honestly don't get, like, I can hear people's arguments, but I'm like, if your argument is, uh, oh, there's not enough Iron Man and Iron Man, I'm like, you don't understand the point of Iron Man. Yeah. And then, uh, or they don't like the Mandarin twist. I'm like, I can get that, but I'm like, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was a, that was like, probably my it, first time in going through a plot twist like that in theaters. Like that was probably the first big plot twist experience I'd had. Um, yeah. I remember sitting there and literally looking next to me, and I was like, like. What is happening right now? This is crazy. Like this is so insane. Um, yeah. But it comes down to that scenario of like, yeah, they're based on comics, and we're always going to want to compare it to the comics. But like, to a certain extent, you kind of like shouldn't. Like you know, if your no. characters, if your favorite characters are being announced in a in a film, they're like coming over to the film. Expect that they're going to be different, and they're not going to be the comic version of that. Um, well, yeah. Going going with that to like our Batman conversation. 
what do you think with regards to because i guess like because you do a lot more reading and stuff do you read any batman comics is that a thing that you've done or like is that not or do you even read much of those comics or anything like that i've read most of like the quintessential batman comics like i've got Mm -hmm. um the this set here of like the the biggest ones here which is like hush uh court of owls and dark knight returns and of the three i've only read Mm. dark knight returns um, and then I've read a bunch of, like, the bigger stuff, like Joker and, uh, like, Killing Joke and things like that. So, yeah. not so much. I got more into um, the Marvel comics than I did DC when I started getting comics a few years ago. Um, but even then, it was specific characters. You know, I loved Spider-Man, so I was only reading Spider-Man. And then as Civil War Two started happening, I got into some more characters there, met a few more people, started reading Miles and some of the other Spider-Men and, and stuff like that as well. But... Most of my, like, comic knowledge comes through other people. Like, my little brother is a massive comics fan, so when I want to know about Batman and, like, the psyche and what's happening in his brain, I go to him and I go, hey, like, what is this? Does this work? Where does that come from? And he usually has an answer for me. Um, So I've got people around that have always been deeply invested in it to the point where I can ask questions and, and get them answered. So I have a, a, a decent grasp on those stories but i haven't really read them um so when it comes to that i guess the the point the point of me asking that was you know you take that right and when you come to some like uh the dark knight versus the batman like for me i look at stuff or i hear people talk about the comic origins or wanting stuff to be comic accurate and i'm like well for me i go it depends on what we're talking about mm-hmm. right I believe with any adaptation, you want the essence of something. You don't want to remove it entirely. Like, you don't... And again, it depends on the case, right? Like, not there, there's not one size fits all for any of this shit. But for Batman in particular, what I thought the Arkham games did so well was they found a way to take the Nolan realism of, like, I buy that. Like, because cause that's all I needed with, like... And I thought what Nolan did really well was, oh... I buy into that character can exist in real life. Mm. Like I buy that Scarecrow can be, is a guy that uses this gas, this toxin that's like a hallucinogenic. And I can understand that idea. And I'm like, oh, he's not just a guy that makes you scared, you know? And uh, Bane, I thought was a really interesting one. Cause I'm like, that is one of the most outlandish characters to try to make realistic, you know? Uh, it's again like you and I think have talked about like the whole difficulty with Mr. Freeze, right? The story is there. The story for that character is there. So interesting, so perfect, but the gimmick is so hard to get to be viable. But to me, what I thought the the Arkham games did so well was and they did it with Killer Croc in the first one. And then I think they did it with the like the rest of the characters in, in the following. But Killer Croc was the main one that they did so well was they made you see this giant guy and through some of his backstory you hear, oh, this guy with a skin condition and kind of I've seen giant people in real life. Like I've seen massive behemoths of human beings. And it's like you can understand this would be like a skin condition that would turn this person and then they have this kind of craving for like human flesh or think they had some sort of these like little audio files that you're like oh that's kind of scary i don't and you didn't even question it really you just saw this guy and it's just they didn't make you question it yeah 
And I felt that that was always a strength of that game. Was it does that to you as a player? Yeah, I agree. And and then you're like, oh, well, I buy into the rest of this. I buy into the rest of this game. And I always wished I was looking for like a Batman that did more of that, where it was like, I want it to be comic booky to a certain degree, because then you get into characters like Mr. Freeze. Yeah. You know, Killer Croc. Yeah, there are things that, uh, like, Mr. Freeze wouldn't have worked in Nolan's Batman because, like, it just... It, how do you make that work? How do you make that realistic? Bane kind of shouldn't, and to make him work, they had to completely rebuild the character. Um, yeah. There's a thing that I wanted to touch on with the Batman as well, because one of the things that I really loved about it is, like, the visual themes that it has. Like, for Batman, oh, the yeah. Batman, it's black and red, right? Mm-hmm. And I have this dream that each film will have its own, like, color palette. Like, say, red, and then the middle one is blue, and then the last one is green. And I feel like yeah. if you go blue, then your bad guy's like Mr. Freeze, and then you go green, and your bad guy's like Joker or something like that. And it kind of ties oh. the three together. Um, I feel like that'd be really, really cool. Um, and I'd love to see Mr. Freeze come to the screen in a way that he was brought in, like, a heart of ice, you know? like Oh, yeah. There's, there's a story there. There is a story. Well, but you need to find it's... a way to walk that camp together with i have no idea like i've been thinking about it for years man like the only thing i can think of is how you do the freeze gun that's like like that i know how you do because i'm like you just have it be liquid nitrogen Mm. that's what you do because i'm like liquid nitrogen is fucking terrifying and i'm like i think that if you have it be some sort of weapon that can essentially spray liquid nitrogen oh you're good you got that part there's a lot of um opportunity there for some really cool like moments as well like think have you seen snowpiercer yeah do you remember when they put the arm outside and then bring it in hammer like that could be a sort of moment that he has oh exactly and i'm like the the only issue that i see is i'm like the, the the main thing is it's like i always saw that with somebody i think they did that in arkham like in Arkham City with the penguin, where the penguin stole Mr. Freeze's weapon and then did that to a cop and like broke his hand. But it all happened auto audio. Like you never saw it. It just was like an over audio. And that always stuck with me. And I was like, but that does feel more like a penguin move than it does a Mr. Freeze move. Cause mm. Mr. Freeze struck me as always being very pragmatic about killing. Like he's, he doesn't, kill randomly like he's not that's at least not in his character archetype is more of the like one of those people that's like i do what i gotta do but i'm not gonna kill you just for the sake of killing you i'll do it if you stand in my way but i'm not going to you know uh, go out of my way to kill you sort of thing yeah um and that's that's what i always thought was interesting and i'm like that character is so compelling and i i just i wanted people to create a world where you could do that and have it i don't know have it happen so naturally like because i just don't see how you do the mech suit i just don't i just like i get the idea that he can have a skin condition that makes sense that that i i can buy into that part that's an easy choice but part of the compelling aspect of the character is that look right and even if you do like a matt reeves what he did with the riddler which i thought was a really great choice i'm just like i don't know how you do a mr freeze while still maintaining 
because you can put the Riddler in a trash bag and have him have the question mark, but you can't maintain the essence of the character. Yeah. The is the issue with Mister Freeze is that the essence of the character is this guy guy in a in kind of this mech suit. And I'm just like, I don't know how you keep the essence of that character while still like the story. You could keep the same him trying to cure his wife. Like all that makes sense. But the gimmick that almost makes this character is the thing I always get stuck on is I'm like, how do you like the day somebody does it? I will have all the respect in the world. I'm like, I feel like I can justify every other Batman character, but I can't justify Mr. Freeze. That's really you know? interesting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, like love that, that in Clayface. Like, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. Like, how do you transition that to a world where things are a little more ground, a little bit more realistic without, like, if they introduced it in, say, like a Batfleck film, I'd probably get it because it's, you know, a bit more stylized and you could be like, oh yeah, cool, it's a guy in a mech suit, sick. But the Batman oh, yeah. Nolan verse doesn't really like work. It's it's like the Batman, and I and I will say that's the one downside to the Batman that I I don't necessarily like. At least again, until they prove me wrong, like I think they still can do it. Because as I said in my video, I'm like, what the Batman did was make Batman emotionally grounded. And yes, it is the most probably realistic Batman we've seen thus far. But the fact that he even still does the voiceover, right? Like, he has the voiceover be a part of it. And even though he justifies it, he still wants... But Matt Reeves includes it. He includes the fact that the Batmobile has a jet engine on it. You know? Like, he includes all this stuff. And just because... Like, you don't have to. You don't have to include this stuff. He still allows it to have that camp, even though he justifies the camp. But I feel like if you made bold choices you could do it as long as you uh like bring it back down to brass tacks emotionally that's at least what i want to see i want to see man bat i want to see like you know these more ridiculous ones like i want to see batman versus morbius (laughs) morbius 2 it's morbin time it's morbin time just going just to see that but I don't know, man, like going going on a different point of that with you, do you feel because I guess I don't know, like I want to hear more of your thoughts on stuff like that. Like what do what do you think when it comes to the Dark Knight or this kind of stuff, like with going with this realism angle? Because you brought up a good point with Batfleck being you could do any of these characters. Like Batfleck made it you could have done anybody. Yeah. You got Deathstroke in there as well, who probably works in a realistic sense. You know, he showed up in Arrow and was one of the greatest um, aspects of that show. But I feel like there's a time for, like, comic book movies, and then there's a time for, like, those realistic comic book movies too. And so I really appreciate it where we spoke about this the other night. Like, for me, if I watch something, I want to escape into that world. And sometimes for me to escape, it doesn't need to be grounded in reality like I, I don't i don't feel that that's why i love for example like guardians so much too where it's one that yeah sure it still fits within the confines of the mcu and it's you know mostly realistic and takes place in our universe but it's also so disconnected from that that it just kind of gets to tell its own story like i don't want things to be constrained 
by our world. And coming back to the, the let's say the Star Wars sequels conversation, when especially when The Last Jedi came out, people started picking apart that it wasn't realistic. Why do lasers arc in space? And I'm like, it's fucking cool. <laughs> why, why do, why do X-Wings bank? Exactly. Like, why is there like, sound you know- in space? Come on, like... This is this is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous, and we're not limited by that. Look at everybody it go, loves the opening scene to Revenge of the Sith, but it's like the, there are fire and explosions happening in that battle, and no one and and we're like and you're you're complaining about like uh, I mean if you want to go even deeper, like the visual effects artist hid a fridge in Revenge of the Sith floating through space, like yes, confirmed yes. canon. There's a fridge in space, like. Oh, sorry. Kitchen sink. It's a kitchen sink. But because they wanted to, because they literally wanted to throw everything and the kitchen sink in yeah. there. Like, and uh, I just thought that was so funny. So, like, I feel like to a certain extent, you need to be able to. We need to move back to a world where people continue to suspend their disbelief a little bit when they're watching, particularly fiction. You know, because like, yeah, you can expect everything to go and be super realistic all the time. But uh, there was an episode of Top Gear where they were pulled in to consult on a film um, because they're all car guys. And they're literally sitting there with the director. And I can't remember if it was a bit or whether they actually did it or not. But the director's like, all right, so we got this car. It's going to work here. We're going to do this, this, this. And they're sitting there and they're like, dude, this movie makes no sense. This guy's drifting, but this car has like exceptional traction control. And to turn off the traction control, you need to press this button for three seconds. Um, And... If you don't do that, he's not going to be able to drift. So they recut the film with another actor to put in a spot where he's driving and he's like, ah, and then he like moves to the person next to him and he's like, hey, can you turn off the traction control? You need to hold that button for three seconds. And he holds it and they go. And then he's like, all right, cool. Now we can drift. And you see that sort of the closer you get to realism and trying to answer all those questions, the kind of worse you make it. Um, I was watching this video the other day talking about um, like short films and how people kind of get caught up in the details a lot of the time. And that's one of the, the traps that people fall into where they go, oh man, this doesn't make sense. I need to show the character do this, 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 and this. And it's kind of like a trust your audience to connect those dots. Um, but with, you know, like the TikTok world and everybody wanting to get their like opinion out there, um, People want to be heard. They want to feel smart. They want to feel smarter than the director. So they go, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This was stupid. Plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. And I'm just like, I I can uh, empathize with wanting better content and better entertainment. Absolutely. But a lot of the stuff that we have is already like quite good and quite enjoyable. Um, And, you know, like, again, in a scenario of like the Star Wars ones that don't make sense or aren't realistic, it's like, why are you looking for realism in Star Wars? There's a, a talking dog. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like, like in, in the High Republic from... there is a rock Jedi. His name is Geode. <laughs> and he's literally, I'm not kidding you, he is a rock who's sentient and has the force. Like, this is the world we're talking about. Why do you care <laughs> if the lasers arc? <laughs> See, my my opinion is and at least how I've always viewed it within fiction and things is I just don't want to be treated stupid. Mm. Like, like you and I talk about that, like where it's like, don't treat, like I was having a discussion with a friend of mine. Don't treat your audience. Like they're stupid. As long as you don't do that, you're fine. Like now I, I can go and say, do I, again, as you brought up, is it realistic in a car movie? 
to like with that probably pressing the button down for three seconds sure that is realistic is but necessary? does it make for a good film mm. exactly is it necessary it's that and, and now now here's the thing realism ratio it's to the idea of like going in like you have things like let's take baby driver for instance right mm. you have stuff where a lot of those stunts are practical so seeing it you're like well we know they can do that so it's like because that was done so I, I could buy into any stunt that's done there because that's just you train me. And even if I didn't, it's like as long as it feels like it, it's funny to me when I see people complain about Fast and the Furious, right? Like I, I my wife really got me into those movies. And now, granted, the first film tries to be super realistic, tries to be super. It, it tries to be point break, right? Like or it tries to be something like that where it's like it, it tries to get you a bit of that grounded reality into it. So I can understand people that are like, okay, well, the fifth move, the the next movie, okay, well, they start going a little bit bigger. And then the third movie goes bigger, and they're kind of like, okay, well, that's getting further away from what it was. But then by the fourth movie, you realize, no, but this is what it is now, mm. you know? And, and for me, I'm like, ever since the fourth movie, they found their niche of what I want out of these movies. I go into there expecting this insane shit like i want to see it i want to see, see them go it. to space yeah like when they went to space i went this is the ridiculous shit i wanted and i get that people want better content and i get that people want like as you're saying and there are plenty of cases where i would agree that felt very middle ground that felt very it, it didn't have life or personality and i will agree that at times fast and the furious feels like that but for me, that's what I go into those films expecting. It was even the same thing with like Jurassic World Dominion, right? Fucking love that movie. I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. I haven't even seen it's it. A, I haven't seen that or Jurassic World Lost Kingdom. I haven't seen either of them. See, now that that one is that one has very little redeeming qualities <laughs> is, is the second one. Like, that's the first film I walked out of and I went I don't even, like, there's like two things from that movie I would save and I'm like the rest is just so I, I literally looked at Ali and I, at that point I would try to Pollyanna anything I saw. It that was the me, first one I did try. It makes me question because uh, you know like there's a lot of us who are interested in what Colin Trevorrow's perspective of Star Wars would have looked like and I like the script. I've read it. It's it's, it's cool. But <laughs> then these movies exist and I go Well, Fallen Kingdom he didn't do. He didn't. Because he left. He left to prep for mm. Star Wars. So he came back with Dominion, and honestly, for my opinion, I'm not the hugest sequel trilogy person. Like I, I again, I'm not going to be a person that yucks other people's yum. But I love the I love the Force Awakens. I think the Last Jedi is is very well done in a lot of respects. Like, and I will never say that I don't like that movie. It's just not like when I look at the, it's not the Star Wars that I gravitate towards. Mm. But I think that it's fantastic. Again, I don't understand why. It gets over hit again. It's like the stuff we talk about. It's like, okay, hold on. I can understand stuff having problems with it, but why are we hating on this one when there's like, like, or for those reasons, like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, back up. I could understand if you have issues, but I won't understand why those are by why you get caught up on these issues. Yeah. Anyway, point being that. Clearly the thing that I think that sequel trilogy uh, suffers from, not saying it wasn't in the other trilogies as well, 
is a lack of clearly they all weren't on the same page on the story that they were fully telling, right? Like, I think that's a fair criticism to have, more or less. Yeah. At least what, uh, and what I thought was interesting about Colin, Tre uh, like Trevorrow's script was he, in improv, they call it yes ending, right? Mm -hmm. You don't go to your part scene partner and you're, let's say your scene partner goes, because it's all improv. So your scene partner throws this idea out and you had a, let's say you had a much better idea. You don't tell that person no. You don't say, no, that's stupid, let's do my idea, and just shut them down completely, because then you ruin the scene. What you do is you do a yes and, which is going, I hear your idea, and I'm going to add to it. And it felt to me like what J.J. did with uh, The Rise of Skywalker, it took some things from The Last Jedi, but it was more of a sequel to Force Awakens. Mm. Which is fine. Again, that's what it is. Like, you take what we're given. But it felt to me like what when I heard what Colin Trevorrow's script was, I went, that does a really good job of yes anding what Ryan Johnson brought to the table, what JJ started us off with. It rounds out the arc of Ray by having her still be a nobody, but figuring out who her parents were even still. And the idea of then also it yes anded the prequels. It said, yeah, we're going to fucking Coruscant. We're calling this the Duel of the Fates. We're going over here and having seen Jurassic World Dominion, where there's a thing in Fallen Kingdom that I hated that I've, but uh, this is to me why I really do want to see what Colin Trevorrow's thing would have been. Because this is a good example of what he did so effortlessly that I thought was like, well done. Was he took, there was this dinosaur they created for the second movie, right? That I kid you not, Nav, responds with a laser pointer attached to a gun. And wherever you point that laser pointer, this thing will go and attack. And it's on a gun. Instead of killing your target, you decide to send a dinosaur after them, Nav. What? Send a dinosaur after <laughs> them. This is a thing that exists. That's and, Sir Wild. And, and you go, why? why like like in jurassic world i thought it was a there was a great decision made with the indominus rex because i'm like oh of course that would be a corporate boardroom idea that yes. made sense to me within this world it's super metal. if that's your gimmick it's such a funny thing that i'm like yeah they would do that and they wouldn't it took what they did in the first jurassic park right and took it up a level which is saying it's proving what Ian Malcolm said about the first stuff, right? Mm. You know, that of course they get corporate and they get lazy and this is what they come up with. And it ends up co costing lives. What, co and then what, so I like that, but then you get to this point with this, this dinosaur, but here's what Colin Trevorrow does in the, in the movie, right? He doesn't go, oh, that's stupid. And, like, make kind of a thing of, like, what a stupid decision we made in the last movie. You know, he didn't do that. He said, you know what? I may or may not have agreed with that. You know what we are going to do? We're going to put in five. And just goes, like, we're going to have it be a chase scene with these things. And I'm like, you know what? Good on you. I respect you know it. what? You took That was the thing. I said, I respect that you took something that I thought was dumb. And instead of being like, we're just going to skip over that, you said, 
no, I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace it, and I'm putting it five, no matter how ridiculous it is, and I'm gonna make it cool when all of a sudden you see the villain go shine a light on these people and just go, oh shit, and then you like they're running away. I'm like, it led to like my favorite set piece in the film, and I'm like, this is ridiculous as hell, but I I am there I'm for loving this. It. Yeah, that's pretty. And cool. that's what I felt. And that's when I went, I really wanted to see what he did with that Star Wars trilogy. Because I felt, the thing I don't like about Rise of Skywalker is more the fact that it felt like there were certain things that weren't taken from what The Last Jedi set up. And I'm like, I will go along with whatever you tell me to. But embrace it, say this is a part of your thing, and stick to it. Yeah. And like, wear it on your sleeve. Like, because it's like, I get that we make mistakes along the way. I mean, hell. In the original trilogy, you have Leia full-on making out with Luke. And clearly they were setting up a love triangle. And then they decide, oh, guess what? She's his sister. Like, you know, they decide in Return of the Jedi that this is the time to reveal that they are sister. <laughs> that they are brother and sister. And it's like, again, it leads to a very funny thing in retrospect. But to me, I'm like, they didn't bring that up. They just kind of said they own it. They own the shit. And I felt that that's what you, what more like shows need to do is instead of ignoring mistakes, they need, I mean, hell, look what the MCU did with Thor 2. They're like, hey, Endgame made, Endgame and Infinity War was like, hey, Thor 2 was really important. And you know what? We're going to include, like, you know where we're going to? We're going to go straight there yeah. in, in Endgame. Like, you know, we're going to wear it on our sleeve and have that be a thing. And I just... But they won't I... do it with Incredible Hulk. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. But no, they, they did be... What If, actually. That was really cool how you go back That's to true. that. That's true. That's true. They did do... And they had, like, the whole... like. But I don't know, man. That's just, to me, when I think about what Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars could have been, is I'm like, I thought that was a very bold move to have done that. Not to go on and on about it. No, but... I agree. I think that's kind of the general consensus too, where people go like, yeah, people want to complain and they want you to make changes and stuff and all that, but like once you Do kind they of... they really? Exactly. Like, they want to be heard and they want to feel like, oh, look, I gave them this idea to change it. Like, they should have happened. And then when Rise of Skywalker came out, the fan reviews for it like a lot of them were better because they were like oh you know it's, it's it's gone back on it's fixed a lot of the issues from the last jedi blah blah then other people were like are you kidding me like did you seriously bitch out that quickly um yeah which yeah, is sort of where i stand me. with it I, I feel like no matter the quality of that film it should have stuck to its guns and the bits that it did are fantastic mm -hmm. like the best moments of rise of skywalker are the evolution of the force dyad which was started in um in the last Jedi. very much so that's the the greatest plot thread in that film um and the things that it kind of tries to break are the things that bug me the most um like the the lack of inclusion of rose mm -hmm. like the lack of uh you know like again to me i'm like listen is rose my favorite character in all of star wars no but you didn't give me a chance yeah to me i'm like you didn't give the chance of like creating i mean hell again people talk about ahsoka right Ahsoka starts off Clone Wars being people's least favorite character, right? Like, you know, oh, ruining Star Wars, 
ruining this thing turns into the arguably one of the greatest characters in all yeah. of the canon and that now has its own you know her own chant like her own uh disney plus show it's, yeah you're it's, right on the money dude like it's it's a time thing it's it's uh how much the, you're actually what's the word uh like shown the character to like how much like there's so much more to it um and over time they get to develop and you get to make small changes that you can't really do in like a, a three film trilogy you know or even just the fact that like i mean again somebody like finn right like really cool character and then just feels like the arc gets just gets lost at some point and you're just like because that was at least how i felt about it because i'm like he was one of my favorite characters in all of star wars and then being like i just don't if you told if, if i was to tell his story right now i'm like i don't know what it is i'm Can like I, ask... I don't know what it is yeah. Do you think that you attribute that uh, like lack of an arc to Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker more? Because I've heard a Rise lot of complaints that, you know, Ryan Johnson came out and actually said, he's like, I didn't really know what to do with O and, and what's it called? And, and Finn. Finn. But people took that as a like, okay, he doesn't understand what to do with POC and that kind of stuff. And one of the complaints that I see a lot more these days is now when people talk about them liking those movies, the guys that don't are coming from the position of, oh, so you just like racist movies. Like, you know, Ryan Johnson didn't know what to do with people of color, so you don't like racist. You don't like uh, movies that aren't racist, or you like movies that are. And I'm like, that's funny how that dialogue changed. We were like, you're misogynistic and don't like women. And now to try and get back at us, you're trying to push this, um, like, racist rhetoric. Um which I don't really feel from Last Jedi that much. Like, I can definitely understand oh. the, the position of, if you look at his, um, the way that he speaks about it and how Disney sort of mishandled the character, I agree overall. He should have been a much oh, bigger yeah. part of that story. Um, but I also find that, like, his arc, I really like the way that it works in, like, The Last Jedi and him trying to overcome that because I find that in... Force Awakens, he still feels like he's doing things for selfish reasons. And at the start of Last Jedi, he's in the same place. And it's sort of coming to terms with the fact that there's something bigger. And some people say that, you know, he already had that story in Force Awakens, but I look at Force Awakens and I go, did he? Because, yeah, cool, he he, he went and broke Starkiller base, but... He didn't actually do it for selfless reasons. Yeah. And that was actually a thing with Last Jedi. I didn't appreciate the first time I saw it, but now thinking back on it, even just now, I'm like, because at first I didn't agree with where they started with Finn's character, but then as you're saying, I'm like, no, he went in there for selfish reasons. He never was a part of the rebellion. Yeah. He was a, again, he was just getting out of being a stormtrooper and he was going there for his friend, not for the rebellion. Yeah. And again, he lied his way to even get on there, which could have put the entire rebellion in a state of panic. Like, because they to... would have another point you know in last jedi as well sorry your point your point first and we'll come back to that oh yeah well but go, go on to, to answer your question more like more specifically yeah i i thought with last jedi if anything i thought last jedi the only thing i like the one thing that i really have a problem with in my own opinion was the fact that they did not let finn sacrifice himself that was for me I was a big just moment. about to touch on that too. Cause that was because for me, I was like, oh, that's really good. Cause he's gonna then 
let himself. And then I even thought about it in Star Wars. We typically hear the stuff of, oh, I'll see you again. And it always is true. And then having that moment when Ray lifts the rocks, right? Same moment, but Finn's not there. Mm. And it's that moment where she said, my friend, I'm going to see you again. And then it's Poe telling her he didn't make it. And or then the, you set up those body or something and Exactly. Like, or, and again, I, that was the thing for me that felt super, like, I don't know what the decision was. Cause it was a weird thing that like, she like, you know, she saves him, right? Like she destroys his spirit. I'm like, uh, what I liked about that initially was I thought, oh, well, they're making Rose do it out of, the same selfishness that Finn was about to leave the rebellion with. And that was when I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like that was a selfish thing that she didn't want him to die. So she just almost doomed the rebellion in a similar way to what he was doing in the beginning. But now we're in this situation. But then when they kind of made it like, oh, she's teaching him a lesson for me, I was like, Hold up. But he was uh, like, you know, I was kind of like, for me, I was like, okay, I'm getting mixed messages here about how you want these scenes to be interpreted. Yeah. And I'm like, and and ultimately I'm like, all right, that's the choices that they made. Like, you know, I disagree. Like, But then again, I was like, maybe they do something interesting with it in the next one. The, the joke I always had with it was what it felt like was somebody decided, <laughs> somebody went in, I, I, I was joking about it where I was like, what it felt like was, uh, Ryan Johnson's in the edit bay, right? Like he's editing the film. JJ comes down and he's like, Oh, hey, how's it going? How's the edit? Oh, yeah, we're working on Finn's death scene. Finn's yeah, oh, what? <laughs> Finn's, uh, well, yeah, we, it's this heroic sacrifice. He does that. He's going, Um, uh, so here's the thing I've written him into the next movie, and it's like, well, we already shot this. This is already done. All right, so here's the thing. There's a couple little bit of salvage out there. They haven't gotten rid of all the sets. I think that we can get away with doing a couple little pickups couple little and pickups. just put him into these scenes. And I think we can have him be saved. Uh, well, what, 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 who's going to save him? Well, I guess Rose is out there. She's had a moment with him, right? So, but like, uh, and then what, what's she going to say? Oh, I guess we'll um, save the people we love. And it's like, good, done, that's good enough. And then just roll cameras. That's how I always felt that that's why he was still in, was like, they had a whole moment of like, no, we can't kill him. Like, well, there's, a, there's a couple points I want to touch on there, because like, J.J. Abrams did that in Force Awakens. Like, he killed Poe and then was like, mm, mm, we figured it out, but then doesn't explain anything. However, the... Somehow like... Palpatine returned. <laughs> I like the idea of Finn sacrificing himself for a bigger cause. Yeah. Um, I, Bob, the way that I interpreted that scene, if you'll allow me, is um, he's, there's still an element of him that is a little bit selfish. Like he wants to be a martyr. Like I feel like he doesn't, he's not true, really true. doing it for the rebellion that much as much as he's doing it for himself to go, yep, this is it. I've got it. But I feel like the the visual storytelling in that scene is very clear in the fact that it's not going to work. Like, it is it is not going to work. And you see him flying down the beam, and yeah, it's not switched on yet, but as it's starting to switch his ship is disintegrating. 
It, That's true. I have no doubt in my mind that there is no way that he would have done any damage to that because it was like, you know, a second off firing. Rose saved his life um, because she understood that he wasn't coming, like, he wasn't going to do anything. He would have died for no reason. And Finn can do more good alive than he could dead. Um, very, very good point. Yeah, and I feel like that um, Marta is, that's for Luke Skywalker. That was his place. Um, yeah. He is a person that through his death will bring the, the spark back to the rebellion. He's larger than life. Finn isn't. Um, so for me though, the kiss is a little weird and the line is, Yeah, I, I like the concept of it, but it feels a little, I don't know. I don't love the delivery of the line, you know, where he's like, why did you yeah, do that? She's like, idiot. We need to save the stuff we love. I, I love, yeah, um, Rose Tico as a character and I love Kelly Marie Tran, but the delivery of that line is a little, oh, absolutely. I don't like what you said. I don't understand the intention here. Like, where is this coming from? What are you trying to portray? But the actual saving of Finn makes perfect sense to me well and as you're saying that like again that interpretation of it is very much again this is why i love talking about this stuff with you. it's like I, I think that when i hear stuff with people that really do appreciate it that way i i start to feel differently about it where i'm like i agree i think that that makes sense i think that that's a perfect way of putting it and i don't know i i like i agree with you there and i just wish that in rise of skywalker some of that stuff felt a little bit more followed through on mm, that's, that's, that's my that's personal that's personally where my issue lies is i'm like listen ultimately where you take a character that's 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 your business that's like that's the story it's again we talk about better call saul i can have my opinions all day long on where i want that story to go but i ultimately don't know what story you're telling you could be telling a love story and I've thought you've been telling a detective story. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and I just think that from my standpoint, that's a big thing for me is I'm like, I just want to know what you want us to take away from this yeah. or what, or what conversations we should be having. I think that's like, an interesting point with like the El Licorice Pizza conversation from the other night where I'm like, I don't know yeah. what I was meant to take away from that film. Like, I don't, I don't understand the point of it. Like, sometimes it's entertainment, like you said, with Fast and Furious. Sometimes it's something larger. I don't know, with uh, Licorice Pizza, maybe it's like, don't date girls that are 10 years older than you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the the Last Jedi, I think, is pretty um, clear in its themes. Um, yes. But it's only clear when you go in um, with, like, a clear mind, you know? that the, the emotional reaction that people had initially clouded their vision. Um, oh totally and well like i said i can always empathize with it not being the story that we wanted i would have loved to see a, a peak luke skywalker cutting through people as well of course man like yes yeah but i also but find that's not... that the the version of him that we got is has a level of depth that never existed for him previously um, i never understood people's hatred of that decision like in, in the sense of i get it to a certain degree right but I think that that tells you a little bit more about the people that are making those comments in the sense that, like, listen, I get it. For a while, I struggled with non-perfect characters as well because I have I dealt with being a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I still do. And I dealt with the idea of that moral doubt and the idea that it is okay to doubt. It's okay 
to feel these things. And it's as long as you're able to pick yourself up afterwards. And as long as you're able to go with that, it's like the idea of feeling like the world's on your shoulders and having a character that for some people were, was the, the embodiment of, I can carry it all. I can do that. Like I can do these things. And then to have all of a sudden it be like, oh, this character was in doubt and is actually like debating leaving. I, I thought that that was a very bold choice. And I, I still look at that as like, that's one of the best decisions they made with that character, period. Like, um, mainly just because why wouldn't that do that to you? And again, people also arguing like, well, he saw the, like the thing in Vader, he said, and I'm like, did you not watch that moment in Return of the Jedi where he is cutting off that his father's He's, arm? It's funny. He was about to kill that man. Sidious he was about to. Hand, um, and by showing his hand too early, literally stopped what, like, Sidious saved Vader in a sense, if you think about it that way. Because he comes down, he's like, ha ha, I got you. And Luke's like, brother, you, oh! <laughs> Exactly. And it's like, it, it is that moment where uh, you have it. And to me, it's like, as they describe it, it was a split second. It was a split second that he turned that lightsaber on. And I'm like, listen, think about it. Not in a standpoint of you want characters to be perfect, not in that standpoint, but take a fallible character, right? It's a more dramatic choice to me. And this isn't even a Gandalf character, right? This isn't a wise mentor. This isn't even go to Obi-Wan, which I thought that they did a great job of making him fallible. But let's take that idea of like, this is a, this isn't the mentor character. This has never been the mentor character. Yeah. Fuck, Luke decided to go to save his friends, even though it was the wrong choice. Yeah. It, like in Empire, the, the film that everybody loves. And I'm like, and again, maybe it's because of that, that they love it. But then I'm like, if you liked it because of that, why don't you see that Ryan Johnson was doing the exact similar thing with this moment where Luke in a moment saw everything he had been working towards, everything in his nephew. And he could, and he could do something about it right then and there. And he does for a second. And, and even in that, he says it was for a second and he realized how wrong it was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I feel like when you... It's almost like the conversation of the Jedi are evil, the Jedi are a cult. Like, that is not necessarily accurate. There are elements yeah. of the Jedi where, particularly in the time of the, the fall of the Republic, they made bad calls, and sure. But, you know, there's... Jedi didn't steal kids you know there are elements where some cultures thought that they did and you know they respected the Bardotans and said you know what yeah cool we're not gonna come back and um like you know offer to take your kids with us that's okay um but it's I think Dark Choco was the one who said it and he goes people that are out here thinking the Jedi are evil you're falling for the Sith propaganda like Palpatine's propaganda is working on you like he wanted the world to think that they were evil so he built that story and now when I'm reading a bunch of stories from the perspective of people living during the rise of the Empire era, <clears throat> you see that. People are literally like, mm, nah, the Jedi, kind of evil. Yeah, I've heard stories. They used to steal kids and stuff. And if you think back to that scenario, the first time we see um, 
how Kylo Ren was created. It's from Kylo Ren's perspective. Yeah. And he's an unreliable narrator. He's a kid who woke up in the middle of the night and saw his his mentor standing over him with a lightsaber and reacted the way that he should have reacted. It's totally valid. Um, But his interpretation of the scene is very different to Luke's. Um, Exactly. Because I feel like you get Luke's... um, You get Luke's view first, where he omits parts of the truth, and then you have Kylo Ren telling his truth. And then the last version of the flashback is the real one, the last one that Luke tells. Um, and I feel like people locked on to the, um, I lock, he, they lock on to the, the Kylo Ren version of it and go, well, Luke was evil. He tried to kill a kid. And it's like, no, 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 he didn't. Let's go back and watch that together. I feel like a lot of the, um, the complaints for the sequel trilogy can be rectified by watching the sequel trilogy, even without doing that mental <laughs> gymnastics. It's the scenario of like Ray. how does she fly the ship? It's like, there's literally a conversation with her and Finn in the film where she goes, I've flown heaps of ships before, never flown it like that. I've worked on this ship for ages. I've worked for Uncar for 10 left the years planet. and he owns this and owns that. And like all of the answers are there. Um, well, and it's 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 clearly to me at that point again, as I think it's it's well documented. I think by yourself and other people, where I'm just like, listen, if you and I want to have a discussion on execution, right? That's a different conversation. Yeah, that's a, a fair conversation. We've had it about the prequels, saying is you know uh, the idea of like you know it's worse, co- it's it's uh, it's coarse, rough, and gets everywhere. Is that a good line? No, it's gold. No, it's not. Like. <laughs> You know, like you used that the line whole on, on idea. my girlfriend. That's how I got her. I walked up to her and I was just like, I rubbed her, her arm and I was like, mm, uh, it's so soft. And then, <laughs> now we live together. So, and then there you go. Like, listen, that's how I got married. But, uh, you know, and just kind of, uh, you know, thank you, Star Wars. And um, my whole feeling, though, is it's this idea of if we want to have that conversation, we want to have a discussion about execution. Let's do it. But. Don't come at me and say stuff like that where it's like, no, that's clearly not true. Or that's clearly not the intention of the scene. Or clearly not that. And I'm like, listen, I want to have actual discussions about this shit. I don't want to, like, again, you and I talking about the Finn thing. It's like, listen, I get what they were going for. Uh, Did it work for me? Did it work for you? That's a good conversation to me. Mm. Because I'm like, what would you get out of that? It's not... Oh, why is there like the the bolts arcing in space? I'm like, well, let's let that's just a can of worms you don't want to open, like you know, just kind of a thing. I um, one of the things that I love about the way that that we get to talk about films, and particularly with some some people that I've spoken to a little bit longer, is um, there are a lot of things we agree on, there are a lot of things we disagree on, but I also have a profound respect for the way that you interpret films. And I like to think mm-hmm. that that comes back the other way. So when we have a scenario like the Finn thing, where we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, um, you can still provide me insight and context, and I can do the same for you, and we maybe meet in the middle, or maybe we stay on our sides, whatever, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> yeah. But actually, I want to make a video for TikTok. I've got this idea that I've been bubbling in my brain for a bit, where I want to be like, basically, here is uh, how to talk about films 101. And make a scenario mm. of like, you know... <clears throat> If you're watching... I don't know why I've got so much caught up in my throat. Give me a second. I'm going to mute myself for a second. Oh, yeah. 
I muted myself in the uh, stream, but not for you. So you may have heard that. That was a very funny one. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, interesting. I'm like, muted. I understand how much respect I have. Just, um, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> um, Lucia did make the first move too. She was creepy, Anakin. Yeah. Um, but I want to make this video and it's kind of like, uh, if you're scrolling through a TikTok video and one of your favorite creators says something like, well, I don't know, I like The Last Jedi. Here's how you can respond. And option A, you can say, uh, what do you love about this film? What was your favorite moment? If you don't want to talk about that film in particular, you could ask, hey, what do you think of A New Hope? Like, give me your insights on that. I feel like as creators, we love making the content that people want to watch. So when people comment on my videos and ask me a question, I can make that question into a video. It happened with you. That's how I found you. Some person was literally like, give me more on the Bad Batch, and you replied to that comment, and I think it was one of your biggest videos too. And I was like, uh, yes. Uh, so I feel exactly. like I want to help people have those conversations better in a way that's respectful, well, in a way that, that drives... Uh, like a dialogue. It's like you said, there's no point yeah. in going into a video. If I make a video about The Last Jedi, I don't want somebody to come in and go, oh, what, so you just like films where this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, it's all stupid. Like, no, no, that's not how we do it. If you really feel like you have nothing to add to the conversation, let's let's give you one line that you can use. Well, and that line is, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, what and, else and did let's, you need? Well, and, and let's also, t I think that this is a video, I, I don't know when I'm going to make it because I, I also don't want to, get the wrong impression with it too because i do think you know when people talk about toxic fandom right we always focus on the negative i do believe and i believe i see it a lot with unfortunately a lot of tiktok creators and i think that it also tends to go the other way toxic too. positivity in the sense yes yeah I agree. where it goes where where i see people that have perfectly valid criticisms on on films and tv and going yeah do I think that it kind of is a little ridiculous this little moment that happens here? Sure. And they get roasted. And and then and, and then all of a sudden some of these big creators come in and being like being like, oh, that's not a good that's not like and I'm like, that's just as bad. Or mm. like saying, just for a person expressing their opinion. Now it could be a now listen, they could go and say some terrible stuff in there and then there's a reason for that. But to me, I'm also like, from my standpoint at least with what I want to do with my own creation is I always like engaging people. Like there's plenty of people on those bad batch videos where they go, Oh, this was mid or the, or not mid, but like, uh, like that, I feel like that one tends to be used a lot, but I'm like, but, but even the people that would be like, Oh no, I didn't like it was filler. And I, and I asked them, I said, well, like, what do you mean? What did you, and, and then my other thing was going, or I didn't like that portion. Then I, I respond with, well, what did you want? What was the thing that you were hoping mm -hmm. for? Cause also, there are shows that I've gone into going, oh, I wanted this. The show didn't give me that. So yeah, I am a little disappointed that they that I thought I was led to believe that this was going to be there or this plot point was going to be bigger and it wasn't. And I'm kind of let down by that. I mean, for me, the like, prime uh, um, like example of that is like Book of Boba Fett, where there are elements of that <laughs> show and like long stretches of screen time that are my favorite Star Wars, like ever. Like there is some exceptional stuff in there, but then overall, it's like the the promise that was made wasn't delivered. I felt like they were like, you know, we're doing the Godfather in, and I was like, cool. I just saw the Godfather. Let's yeah. go. 
and then it's it's not that it's it's a little bit different so like it's it comes down to the execution and stuff too but i feel like um you're right the conversation should never be i want to change your mind the conversation should be i want to understand um and maybe through that understanding like again let's say it's the scenario where um i don't think well, like, for example, when we did the video talking about Obi-Wan and I was speaking about a little bit of a different interpretation of Leia thinking that he was his dad and all that kind of stuff, it's... I'm not out here telling everybody that that's fact, right? Like, and so I have people coming on that video and being like, this is a common trend on that video right now, actually, where these commenters are coming in and saying, uh, people aren't birds. They don't imprint on the first person they see. And I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you missed the point of the video entirely. You don't, you don't understand what I was trying to get. And yeah. it's like, but it's, it's the mentality of exactly what you, when somebody tells me that they don't like something or they disagree, like I want to understand. Um, but I feel like a lot of the time that isn't reciprocated on the other end with me and you, it works great. You know, we understand each other's perspectives. We provide context to each other. It's, awesome that's why i love talking films with you yeah but in a lot of like the real life where let's say people it's kind of almost scary to bring up that conversation when somebody goes hey what do you think of this movie you know this new mcu film that just came out and you go i loved it and they're like well it was mid and i feel like the 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 toxic positivity pendulum that you were talking about um or the toxicity pendulum that's swinging the other way flows because we've copped it so much oh totally and don't get the me negative wrong. side yeah and yeah sure we're overcorrecting a little bit absolutely um but then i think that it's sort of starting to even out where you have people like for example jj um she is a savage and i love it yeah jj i i think better than anybody i see jj does it i think too like honestly i want to have one of these with her like yeah. that's like my top my top one because i think and I would also give Dark Side Divas similar. Uh, yep. There's stuff that they 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 have a feeling on certain things that I'm like, okay, I don't share that love for it, but I'm like, I love hearing what you have to say about it, even if at times I'm like, yeah, you're thinking so far into this, but when you tell that story, I'm like, that I want that, like, yeah. But and, and I'm like, for me, I'm like, I really appreciate hearing them talk about it and uh, like the conversations that they have about it where it's like oh well if if that's the case then this means this and i'm Mm. like i didn't think about it that way but if you're going into those crunchy details and they will actively they're the ones that coined for me the phrase of like fast and the furious star wars where it's like really cool point how does that really line up with what you set up never mind let me enjoy like kind of a thing where (laughs) i'm like uh and i think they they do a great job of acknowledging that and even on stuff like the Imbar arc, they did a great job of basically going, yeah, I hear people's love for it. I agree. But there's some glaring issues with the storyline here. And it's like, and I look at it and I'm like, I had the same opinions, but I was terrified to voice them. Mm-hmm. Like, not that I, I didn't like that, but I thought that, and to me, I think that that's what we need. Is we, And we need people like JJ as well, who does the great job of being like, no, I didn't like that part. But I still like the sequel trilogy. I still I like it, but I don't else... like that, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what you're saying, right? Like, that's kind of the element that you're thinking. Yeah, that. And I think something else Ish. that I really like about the way that she does this, too, is that um, recently she did this video talking about, like, why she calls people out all the time. I think it was while you were away. I'm not sure if you would have caught it, but 
Oh, um, please she send it to me as well. About... Okay, continue. Yeah, I need to go back and find it. She posts so much. I always have her videos that I want to oh. send to people. Um, and I can't yeah. find them. But there's this bit where she's talking about media literacy and how to talk about films. And she literally does a video where she goes, all right, I want to give you some ideas for how you can... If you want to respond on my videos yes. and not be I think I apart, actually did. you will not say mid. You will not say this sucks. You will not say bad writing. Like You will give clear explanations. Why is the writing bad? Why did that scene not work for you? Let's talk about all of these elements of it. Because I think that's where it gets caught up. People are like, I'm being attacked for expressing my opinions. And you, you didn't have an opinion. You, you offered nothing. You just to said the that you didn't like it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I think that that's the place where we look to try and get to as like a, a film talk community where we, we can talk respectfully and we can disagree and that's totally okay. But in I fact, feel like encourage. if I commented on like one of JJ's videos disagreeing with her, I'm pretty confident she wouldn't tear me apart because, like, yeah, to yourself, cause... I have a, a decent understanding of why I do and don't like things, and I'm also never going to her videos and going, well, you should like this because that. You know, like, I'm going, oh, oh yeah. that's crazy that you don't like that. I really like this because of this. Go about your day. Or I weird, I didn't offer. expect. Exactly. It's like, or weird, I didn't expect that when you like this, but it makes sense when you put it that way. Like, and I think that there's also, it's on content creators to talk about the stuff that they like and the stuff that they don't like. Cause I know for myself, it's the thing of like, when I look at somebody, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. That, that makes sense for you. Like, I understand why you didn't like that. Like for me, I don't think it's a surprise to people if, if I don't like a pretentious film that doesn't make me feel anything. Cause I talk all the time about how that's my main barometer, you know? Like, if I like something, it's probably because it moved me. It can be shit, but as long as I felt moved, like, I tend to like it. That's awesome. I or I feel like I, or I feel like I walk out of something with it. Like, a lot of these kind of more Criterion Collection films or things like that, which I'm like, you know, God bless you if you can watch that stuff and really be entertained all the way through. There are some of them that I can be, but a lot of them, I'm like, I don't know why I watched that. I feel I like don't know it's, why. it also comes back to the point that everybody is looking for something different from film. You know, As they should. For me, it's, it's my escape. And that's why yeah. I, I'm driven to stories like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Dune and this stuff that just feels larger than life that lets me just escape. And why probably, and why probably you don't want to go and immerse yourself in a very dark story. Hmm. Like and you, I still have their place. Because why would 1917, you? Sure. I love that film. Of course. But if you ask me right now, hey, Nathan, what do you want to watch today? 1917 or Star Wars? I would <laughs> absolutely be like, let's do that. Even if it's The Last Jedi or Empire and it's depressing, I don't care. It's it's escapism where 1917 feels like I sh you should feel bad because you weren't there. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. exactly. Like, you know, and that's, um, and, and that's, I don't know. That's that's the stuff that for me, what I love about film talks, and and again, what I think you and I are gonna have a great job doing with what we want to do with this podcast is talking about, you know, sharing. Because one of my favorite things is sharing art with others. Like I love the fact that with my Bad Batch videos, I've talked with people who felt one way about it and then maybe changed their minds, or I found people that are like, oh, I felt the same way. I didn't know other people found that. I and found I'm like, it with I your love Bad Batch videos. That uh, yeah, I agree. Sorry to interrupt you too, because like, yeah, it's it's a great no, point. But I loved Bad Batch 
but I loved it for a different reason. I just, I don't know what it was. I remember watching it and just being like, I'm really involved in this. I really like, you know, the family dynamic. I like these characters. I'm in. I love it. It, it tickled a lot of the right boxes for me. You know, great animation, great storytelling, great voice acting, the craft, all of this stuff that was already great for me. Then I came across your videos, and it was talking about the deeper connotations of this. And then I came across Artur's video going even deeper into it, and I was like, oh my god, this isn't something that I really like. This is something that I love and adore and am obsessed with. So you actually elevated that for me, even though it was something that it wasn't something that I went from not liking to liking. It was something that I went from really liking to being unable to not talk about it because of you. Oh, exactly. Asshole. Well, thank you. And I had my pleasure. I like getting people obsessed with my same stuff. Like, like it was fun. I discovered. The... Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly touch on this point and we'll come back. To oh, go ahead, too. please. Because I feel like um, the point that you mentioned on sharing film is massive for me i basically entirely built my entire self-worth on how much value i bring to other people and for mm -hmm. a lot of my life that's been through film and media i want to go oh hey you should check out this film and when you like it come and tell me that you liked it and then i'll know what to give you next or oh you really exactly. like this film i reckon you'll love this then here go and take that enjoyment home for lucia um a lot of she hadn't watched a lot of films. A lot, most of the stuff that she's seen now, she's seen with me. I still ask her questions about stuff, and you think I'm bad. Um, <laughs> she was worse. Um, and so a well, lot of the stuff that we've worse. seen... Like, like, my buddy gets on me all the time like with all the shit I haven't seen. So I'm like, there's, there's, there's so many... <laughs> So many things. So yeah. it's like, like, uh, but continue, continue. Like no, with that. Like, it just, that's the main thing for me. Like, I want to bring appreciation to other people's life. There's Woosh. So Woosh was with me at uh, the Batman trilogy yesterday. <laughs> and we've just decided that we're going to be doing movie nights over the next few weeks as well to try and, like, catch me up. Because there's a lot of stuff that, that oh, yeah. they've seen that I haven't. Um, that what's, 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 number one, what's number one on the list, Woosh? What's, what's, uh, you tell us, what's number one? Yeah, what's number one? We also want to get what's to a the lot one? of Akira Kurosawa films. I've seen none of them. Ooh. <laughs> um, and but, obviously but, I've seen uh, the, the influence uh, in, in media, so I really want to get onto that. Oh, yeah. Well, the, you and I can do some of those together, too, because I've seen two of his now. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I finally saw Seven Samurai, and then I saw others. I think... Uh, uh... like. He says whatever we can find on Stan, um, Australian. Yeah, that sounds like a you, you know that that can that still sounds like a weak answer. I need specifics. I need I know, specifics. Uh, Woosh. One of the if you're gonna ones... call my boy out like that, you need to come with receipts. <laughs> one of the and big so, ones was uh, the Fifth Element. I think we're gonna, I've ooh, never seen that. I haven't seen that either. Maybe we so can do that I'm for like, movie of the week. That like that could definitely be one because I've heard I've heard. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen Groundhog Day either, so oh, that's what? also a good one. Again, these are little pockets of my knowledge where I'm just like, that's there. So I think that those are two already that we got to do. Yeah. Um. But but Lou, I really want like when we go on to this next thing. But I want to uh, hear from you. You said there are films that make you feel powerful or make you feel like they teach you something. I would love to hear some of your thoughts. Like, uh, I would love to hear which ones for you are like quintessential examples of that. Just because I'm curious. Like, I just I really want to know. But continuing on, Naf, like with um, it, like I agree with you. Like my, but one of my favorite memories in high school was my friends and I. We graduated high school, right? 
and we are all about to, we're in our summer before everything it was kind of when you were to, we were talking earlier about this this an inspiration for something that i think we should do is um what we did was we realized through just talking with each other there was a ton of films that we all lo- we all loved film but there was films that we were like it was the three of us and there were films that only one of us had seen in the group and we were like oh you got to be kidding me you haven't seen that like you would like you need to see this movie whether or not they would appreciate it it's like you you need to see this movie that has and... been there've been a few of those that i've gotten with Woosh where he's giving me things like um what was the film? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Woosh recommended that to me, and uh, that was fantastic. Um, but there were so many little things like that as well. I think another one was um, The Usual Suspects. Ooh, okay, yeah, have yeah, you, yeah. Have you seen that? I Like, I have seen that one. I have seen that. Perfect like, Blue that was, was another one. I hadn't seen that before. Oh, okay. Woosh made me watch that. Um, which was fantastic. I haven't seen that. I think it requires it... multiple watches. Okay, one of it's those. A, that it's like... an anime film that uh, it's very similar to Black Swan, mm, but like okay, an, an okay. anime version of it. And uh, uh, Wushi was telling me that uh, was it Aronofsky or Fincher who made Black Swan? Aronofsky, I think. Uh, yeah, um, but there was a conversation where they were like, you know, you were inspired by this film. And he's like, no, 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 I wasn't inspired by it. It's like, monster. but when you actually watch them, they're quite similar. Um, uh-huh. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. But I think that Black Swan is a little easier to follow than Perfect Blue. I think Perfect Blue requires multiple watches to understand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, Aronofsky was inspired by Perfect yeah, Blue for, yeah, yeah. for a dream in Black Swan. Got it. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot going on there, but yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I think that that kind of, cause we're obviously getting close to our, uh, like time as well, but it's probably a good time to, while we wait for Lucia to respond, uh, there, yeah. she's still listening, yeah. um, yeah. No, to, to no, talk about I, I really... what our plans are over the next uh, few weeks. Yeah. So, so I guess to finish up with it, like what, what, I, what we, what me and my friends did was essentially we spent the summer, we, we each basically picked three films that the other two had not seen and so it was a thing of like okay i know when i show a film i i i've seen it and love it but i know you two haven't i think you would appreciate it if it's not their cup of tea possibly but it was basically they get full reign on choosing sort of thing like i don't do horror and my friend chose like two films that were like uh like at least one was the uh horror I forget what his second one was like, but uh, it was just like he he picked both, and then like I saw like my first anime film. I forget what it was called, but I saw that through it. Was it and Akira? It was, uh, no, it was um, it it was it was like a more obscure one, but right. uh, it was, but it it was very interesting, and uh. It was stuff like that that, and I thought it was really cool because you were able to kind of go. Everybody felt like they were sharing, and by the time you got out of it, you would see six new movies. So it's like, you know, and yeah, so for me, that. I was like, and I, I still think about that to this day because I showed them, uh, what was it, Five Hundred Days of Summer, um, No Country for Old Men, and Schindler's List. Those were my three. I've seen one of those. And three. which one? Yes. No country. Yeah. 
And yeah, then it was that felt right. Too, actually, I, I've, I, that's that film. I think about that taught me when I when I make my own stuff. Ooh, ooh, okay, hold on. Let's go. Ooh, okay, okay, yeah. No, I, I understand. I totally get that, Lou. That's like I, honestly, again, I think we've talked about it before, but like I relate to that because that's how I see the world as well. Like, um, yeah, we spoke about the way that, like. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot that I that one was creepy F for me. Is that Akira or um? Oh no, she No Country for Old Men. She had nightmares. Yeah, yeah. That uh, understandably so. That that one, like, but that one influenced my filmmaking because I realized what visual storytelling can do when I don't mm. say I just show. Because my yeah. dad and I watched it together, and he said uh, he was pointing out to me because like there'd be a scene where like you know he picks up, he sees like the whole car scene like he sees everything and then he goes and it's like he goes and follows the tracks up to where the, the money is and my dad just looks at me and he goes how many words of dialogue were in there and i was like oh oh crap like i don't i yeah, i, I right? didn't like, realize it like then uh, i was like there was there was like very few and none of them had to do with what was actually happening you know, none none had to be like, oh, I'm gonna go up there because I bet there's money up there. It's just a you followed this person's train of thought, whether or no you knew exactly what was happening. It comes back to um, the point you made before, like it doesn't treat you like you're stupid. Um, yeah, like trust your audience to be able to figure that out. Um, I find that yeah, like really really interesting, and you kind of feel like you're a part of the film because you get to kind of tell your own like head canon and then that conversation is different you know it's not like a scenario like you misunderstanding the opening of lord of the rings <laughs> exactly it's actually you ambiguous. had to call me out up here okay well we're live it's now ambiguous. Four people. it's they ambiguous it's question these four people need to know which i think is one is me because i'm also in the chat so yeah. three people that <laughs> now know that you like... don't get it movie man you're a fraud movie man Ugh. let's i don't know what uh, to movie you. man let's just call you just K-Man. man exactly there and we he's go. not even a man but let's just call you i'm just a per i'm just k that's it just k yeah that's it um <laughs> but um, you're just but, you're just the third oh <laughs> uh, that's that's true i'm just the third there's nothing else of yeah but lou i completely get it where you're talking about female leads like uh again for me one of the ones that comes to mind is silence of the lambs i always thought that was a great one with it but like uh, like okay, see that one's gonna be a that, that but that's more like a Halloween one. We gotta do that closer to like Halloween, mm, okay? Because cool. it's better, it's better with a little bit of that atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> canceled. But uh, Lou's killing me in the chat, and it's just uh, but uh, I. But going going to what you're talking about with like uh, uh, I think with where we go from here with with this show, what I what I really love and what I think that we get to do is to be able to share this with each other and then also be able to have those experiences together where it's like, again, the stuff that we haven't seen, like you and I both haven't seen Groundhog Day. It's like being able to share that where it's like, we get to walk out of it, go, man, that was a piece of crap. And then just go like, <laughs> like you know, it's fun to have those experiences together. And I feel like, at least for me, the older films that I have not seen, I don't always get that. Or like, I, or I like watching people that's like, oh, you haven't seen Same Private Ryan? You haven't seen some of these films where I'm like, oh, well, I'm excited 
that I get to see them the first time through your eyes almost, yeah. you know? Like, it's it's a cool thing to be able to see somebody or or not, like, not enjoy what you like and then be like, okay, but what, what didn't you like about it? What didn't, like, just because I know there's going to be stuff working I like, you know, I like that you don't, or I can... Because there's also films that I've I've noticed that people are like, oh, I love that film, but I'll never watch it again. Mm. Like, it, it, like uh, one of those examples is obviously Schindler's List tends to be a pretty, diff- understandably, a pretty difficult one for people to get through. For me, there's just something about the craft that mixed with the story, it works so well, which is why at times my brain can compartmentalize. I don't know if it's more of my neurodivergent nature that sometimes I'm able to split that where i'm able to watch it for certain reasons and then like and then emotionally feel it for others mm, that's really interesting and i feel like i'm very similar in that sense too um but i like that mentality of of yeah like wanting to share um that's that's the biggest thing that's what's most important to me about uh like film and media like i want to share that with people obviously with yourself and i want to get more than i can take into and there's a few ways we can work this, right? Because we had the idea of like a movie of the week that we come back and talk about there as well. But because of our time zones, it makes it a little bit difficult. But like, sure. you know, there are scenarios where we can jump on a chat like this and watch a movie, just like line it up, do like a, a watch party for it. We don't have to jump on stream or anything, but we can sit and talk about it with videos and then we have a, a podcast for the next day to talk about. Um, I always like finding deeper meanings in films, even if there isn't, I think creating one for yourself is really fun. Oh that's yeah, it's, it's... that's that's the point. That's the point of it all. That's the point of art in general is to be able to walk away from something. Care like I don't understand when people don't want something to be taken away from at the end of some like like I get people that don't want to force a message down your throat or they don't want to have things have specific meanings. They want to be uh, more universal. But for me, that's a sticking point of I feel like I always want to walk away from something. And the best art is always the one that I walk away talking about it. I walk away wanting to discuss it. I There's nothing that I hate more in this world than walking away from a film and going, I really don't have anything to say about this. You yeah, know? Yeah. I get that. I think I, I empathize with that a lot and I have a very similar mentality there. Um, but then, yeah, we, we then figure out sort of what our plan is from here and what those yes, sort of weekly... So- sessions look like so i say for this first one right we, let's do one for next week i think we start off with our plan of going okay i guess question to you do you want to do one that we both haven't seen or do we want to do one that's sharing like because uh, i feel like that's let's we clearly want to do a, a one of these to like talks let's start there mm-hmm. i think i think it might be nice to do one that we both haven't seen at least to try that off Groundhog Day? I'm okay with it. And we can talk about it as a standpoint of like what this, even if there's stuff that we find about it where it's like it's interesting to see where this kind of stood in a standpoint of um, uh, there, there's a thing I'm doing for one of my own uh, cha- my own channels stuff which is uh, what I call um, uh, a, a like classic or timeless. And I might just do it with you or things like that. But basically, I would watch like an older film or rewatch an older film, talk about why it was current, like why and what a lot of people's big takeaways are for from it. 
and then look at it and going, okay, is this one of those that just was a product of its time? It was great, but we've moved on since then to greater things. Like something I think some people would argue that about Avatar, right? Great at the time. Huge landmark for visual effects. Not sure if it holds the same weight now. Like not necessarily timeless, not bad, but not timeless, you know? Yeah, I get that. Uh, as opposed to something like Star Wars, which has only grown in popularity, you know? And that's what I would do with, like, like something that'd be like, and then you, by the end, we determine, is it classic or timeless? And I'm still going to do that for my own channel, but we could do something similar with something like Groundhog Day, where it's like, okay, we do this. Yeah. And then, um... There are chunks of the film that I've seen, but overall, not really. I think I actually most put it on to fall asleep one night, and I just, I fell asleep. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that that, like, uh, I, I think that that would be a good idea, of a, like, let's start with Groundhog Day, let's watch it, and let's go like, back next weekend to be able to be like, okay, let's talk about it. What, what are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. And we can go and say, and then we can try with the different content and stuff, and uh throughout this week be like talking about like so i have not, so i've never seen groundhog day and here are my thoughts i think that or, uh, another great thing about that too is that the conversation is going to evolve past that like, it, like two hours ago i was telling you about my dark knight experience in imax and then we yeah. somehow got back to the last jedi again which i'm very proud of <laughs> and um hey listen our conversation's always at some point <laughs> like you gotta have that it has to it has to it needs to be talked about more um, yeah, so like obviously, like it'll it's something that can carry a whole episode because it'll evolve. We'll go, oh, it reminded me of this and it made me feel this, which this movie made me feel, and what I want to watch next. So it kind of ties all that together. Um, but I'm I'm happy to kick off with Groundhog Day. Um, yeah. th the next question becomes do we watch it individually and come together next week, or do we do like a Friday night thing, watch it, and I then come on uh, Saturday uh... morning? Yeah, like, I can't do it on Friday night, unfortunately, right now. Like, this week, uh, fortunately, I have a little bit more time. So if you had other times during, like, the week the that we can make it work. I can't is because my days that I can do a Saturday, Sunday. And all exactly. of those days, any other day, I'd be at work when you're up. So we can do Groundhog Day individually and then see how the other ones flow as well. And if the time lines up, then we'll go, let's watch this one together the night before stream. Um, and then the other times we can do um, them separate. Um, oh, but, yeah. I'll like, work I'd, on my I'd content say... this week around Groundhog Day and go, like, you know, I'm going to watch this. You guys should watch it and then come chat with us next week. Um, if you've seen it before, just rewatch it and then come talk about it. Um, and we'll do, like, a, a review. We can call this, we can call this uh, like, uh, I don't know, we can call this segment finally. Because, like, we finally Silver see Lining's this. playbook. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, that's one of those I've always meant to because the more I hear about it, I'm like, this seems like a movie I would absolutely love. I've seen the but first But, yeah, no, half. Silver... But everything with Silver Lines Playbook, yeah, mental illness and disabilities, that definitely, that one's one of them. Uh, what other are there? Like, because there aren't many that I feel do it in a very thought-provoking thought way with mental illness, disability. A Beautiful Mind. Have you seen K-Pax? A Beautiful Mind is really, which, what, what was that? K-Pax. Uh, no, I haven't. It's a Kevin Spacey film, which is sort of science fiction, sort of um, uh, like a mental illness film. Um, and then the the premise of the film is that there's a guy who believes that he's an extraterrestrial, 
and the whole oh. movie is him in like therapy trying to convince his um therapist that he's an extraterrestrial and the therapist trying to convince him that he's a human it's kevin spacey it's one of my favorite roles of his great mm. great film and i think i remember who plays the um uh, um jeff bridges plays his uh Ooh. his therapist Ooh, great okay, that's, that's great good. back and forth uh the also another one that deals with mental illness that's um very compelling is uh a beautiful mind a beautiful mind definitely does that ron howard movie mm. uh that's that's a great one that kind of talks about uh i won't tell tell you what it is because it kind of ruins a portion of the movie but it's well, we can have that on your share section yeah, that's there. So, I uh, so yeah, let's do let's uh yeah, what's eating Gilbert grape? Uh yep, that's a good one too. Um, um well what we'll do is this week we'll we'll try and start building a catalog as well. So building some content around how guys guys what are those quintessential we, films that you reckon people need to see that people haven't? Um and then we'll why work don't we on our guests next? as well. Um I would say I, I you know, if anything, man, I love that idea of uh I'd say after we do, because we can see how it works with uh, a movie that we both haven't seen. But I'd say an easy schedule can go a movie that I haven't, a movie that I've seen that you haven't, a movie you've seen that you, that I haven't, a movie that we both haven't seen, mm. and then repeat. And then I think and that like, when we and bring then, guests on as well, the idea of you, you've picked the film, you know, we're going to watch a film for you I really like. Um, so we can go, hey, you, you want to come on our podcast and talk with us, blah, blah, cool just um we're gonna watch a movie so you need to pick something that we're all gonna watch something that we agree on and then come on and we'll talk about tells you. tells us a little bit about you i'll make you watch chinatown oh yeah oh damn yeah uh i've i've seen chinatown and i um it's a movie <laughs> it's a movie it certainly is a movie interesting uh uh that falls into a category of um films that as a film student i should love um now now granted i don't know how much of it was the fact that it's just a roman polanski movie and i automatically feel weird about it because of the innate element that it's a roman polanski movie but i it's not for me it's not for me i appreciate what it tries to do I just I've seen similar things like uh <laughs> it, it, it 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 Lou it's it's a movie that I don't know if you'll like um it's it's about Jack Nicholson he's a private detective and uh it it is a Jack Nicholson film but there's other better Jack Nicholson films mm. uh but uh, yeah um we've just been talking about it for a little bit I think we're going to watch that soon as well so I'm interested to Especially from the perspective of like yourself, who didn't enjoy it, and he who um like speaks quite highly of it. Yeah, it's like influences neo noir. Ne- n- oh, undoubtedly, like like that's where I would go into like what I was telling you about classic versus timeless. To understand when that film was made and understand what the context of seeing it was, it absolutely is perfect. Like in the sense of uh creating something that's very much you see a lot of the, those same tropes right now with neo-noir um with complicated endings and complicated uh characters in situations yeah. and anti-establishment 
but also having it not necessarily always again do good like absolutely i understand if that's why you like it completely see it mm-hmm. for me i've seen other stuff do that in a way that also moves me and for me that was the issue was it was a like great interest I, I i'm not even gonna go in like great story i thought it was an interesting story but i didn't care enough that was where i was at but anyway going to what you're saying i'd say that too like we because then we can have the guest be like hey this is always a thing that we try to do show us a film that like uh that favorite? means something yeah. to you to you tells us a little bit about you we'll tie it into the in like the the all of us talking about things and then when we bring people back like if we're bringing back a like spooky brie or spen um we can do a thing where it's like okay we can watch that and have that be a part of it but it may not be the full conversation but at the very least at the end of this at the end of one of our conversations you're able to find out about a film that you love do something with that and then you have an interesting conversation around it from people who either have seen it before or haven't seen it and then you can get out of there and be like, okay, I can either go and see this or, you know, I think that, I think that it's at least let's try it for the month of August. Yeah. See how it goes. And then we'll make adjustments as we go. And yeah. we could talk about more of the, the rest of this off mic, but, yeah, um, I agree. um, but I love it. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely a direction that we want to go. Cause we want to have, uh, like the goal is the conversation, right. And you and I are going to talk about stuff and we're going to have guests on as we have been doing, um, so probably we're talking about kind of one week with a guest and one week with just us um, to kind of mix that up and give us a bit of chance to, you know, find people to come on and talk with us. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, like we really want to do that. We really want to involve you guys in that conversation too. So kind of have that scenario of the week before we go, you know, next week you've got Spooky Brie coming on and this is a favorite film. So we're going to watch that in preparation. If you guys want, watch that as well. Then come and chat with us um, about this film, um, which should hopefully mm-hmm. uh, help us build like a pretty cool, like, uh, like positive film community, you know, like well, and well, promoting exactly. that healthy well, and, discussion. Well, and talking about sharing and being like, the, these are the, these are the, uh, essentially these are the rules. Like this is, this is what we do. Yeah. This is all about, you do not have to like the movie. You do not have to like the movie to be here. It's one of those things where we will have a healthy discussion and show that you can have differing opinions on something that even if you're passionately in love with. And, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I think it I shows, think how we could do it so yeah perfect awesome. all right well, on that note, i think it's probably good for us to to wrap up and jump off stream for a bit so um thank you oh, guys absolutely. for coming and hanging out with us for a couple of hours we really appreciate that and for your recommendations too um yeah like obviously wishes are fantastic there too so we've got some stuff we've got to check out um that we'll start putting together and Luz obviously mentioned oh she mentioned a film that we watched the other day have you seen garden state directed by zach braff Oh, I've heard great things about Garden State. Um, that was another interesting one too, because that's a movie that like Woosh didn't like at all. We were talking about it the other day, and, like yesterday, and he was like, "I hate it." Didn't didn't like it. I'm like, "Okay, cool. That's totally fair." <laughs> yeah. Um. So I love that the way that people's opinions differ. Um. And what I was saying before, it's the concept of wanting to understand, right? Like, I want to know why people don't oh, like yeah. things or all that kind of stuff. Um. So guys, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us in chat. Um, movie man, do you want to give the people uh let them know where they can find you? absolutely you can find me at movie man opinions uh, uh you can find me on tiktok as well as instagram or at random stuff entertainment on youtube i'm working on changing uh the name over there but you can find me on all those platforms follow me on social right now i tend to be more on tiktok rather than anything else and uh oh uh 
I know the oh, yeah, James absolutely. Bond. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that woman. Oh. Absolutely. Oh. Uh I'm sure we'll we'll talk about her Marilyn Monroe film that's gonna come out. I just saw the trailer uh, for that. It looks wicked. Year. Oh yeah. I hope I hope it I have certain trepidations, but I'm really hoping it does a good job with certain elements. But anyway, going uh, on I watched uh... That's where they can find me. Where can they find you? Uh, well, I mean, the same. You're seeing it scroll above you right here. So at YouTube, um, on Second Thought, unfortunately, it's a very generic title for my uh, content. So it's different on like every platform, <laughs> as you can see. So TikTok, <laughs> it's on underscore second underscore thought. Um, you'll see on Instagram, it's just on Second Thought. TikTok, sorry, uh, YouTube on Second Thought as well. Um, but you've also got my uh, links in there as well. So uh, yeah, you can also hit exclamation point socials and uh, that'll give you my uh, link tree and tell you where you can find me. Um, but yeah, that's about all we've got for you guys today. Thanks for coming. We obviously got to chat about uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, which is really cool, which transitioned us into the Batman and then into back, of course, to Star Wars. And then, of course, a bit of planning it always our, our new sort of weekly setup, which I think is going to be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah so thanks so much for coming along to watch guys um absolutely and uh Woosh said thanks for the stream sorry i was late i'll help you put together a list so yeah absolutely we want to do that so i'm gonna oh, put together yeah. a channel in our um discord which just has you know movie of the week and we can just sit there and talk about it oh totally like and everybody <laughs> joined the discord we're gonna have a lot of fun with this and we want to grow with you guys we want to know what this is going on and you know just uh <laughs> We're really just trying to figure out figure all this out, but uh, as Naf and I were talking, this means a lot to us, and I know that we want to find something that will create a community of a lot of just talking about art and feeling better about it, and I yeah. think that that's just fantastic. Yeah, and sharing it with anybody who wants uh, to have it shared. So, yeah, obviously building a, a safe space to discuss films. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming along, guys. We're going to go ahead and end up now. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, wherever the heck you are. Uh, Dirty Martini just showed up for the stream, and we are leaving because of you, darling. Because of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you.